Let's go down to ringside. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode and is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. fans and welcome to our vantage point the retro wrestling podcast this is ovp 200 part two as always i'm joe Murata. i'm joined by the one and only michael quinn how you doing there michael howdy quinn a bicentennial so nice we had to celebrate it twice well, it, one for each hundred years <laughs> there you so go there you exactly. go one episode for each there it is uh folks thank you so much for being with us here we're gonna romp you through a very interesting review and we'll be getting to that in a second before we do I want to thank everyone that contributed to last week's episode, whether you wrote in something, mm-hmm. whether you sent in a sound clip. We had a few late comers here. Uh, we will play them today for you. But thank you guys so much. That was a lot of fun, the OVP Bicentennial what, last what week. What a good time. What You know what I really like going through that glossary or whatever? That, that was, was fun. That, that was funny. And uh, this time around, though, for this week, no, by the way, Monday, November the 16th, obviously, mm-hmm. we're going to actually review something related to wrestling. We don't want to shortchange anyone on the wrestling. It's in the name of our show. It's going to be all wrestling all the time other it's than like Facebook, Patreon. Blah, yeah, blah, blah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, speaking of which, if you want to follow us on Twitter, maybe you don't yet. You should because we post a lot of clips, good clips. We got all the clips. Tons um, of clips. They're all in our vault um, in a dusty room yep. with tapes. Some Betamax tapes even. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can follow us on Twitter at OVP Podcast if you want drama-free wrestling clips. That's at OVP Podcast on Twitter. You can also email us if you want to at OVPPodcast at gmail.com. That is Podcast at gmail.com. But Quinn, the group, the group is the thing. It's a group of people that talk about retro wrestling. Wow. Where may they find that? Well, it's over at Facebook, of course. Facebook.Facebook. It's a great site. They're very into Facebook over there. They love their Facebook. Yep. And you know what they also got? No. They got a search bar. What do you do with it? Well, you type in the search bar. Our vantage point. Dash. Retro wrestling podcast. Bing, bang, boom. Tube score. Kafui. Which you know because of glossary. Right, last, last episode. Week. You will understand now. It's called the callback. Um, and boom. You, you hit the join <laughs> yeah, button. Boom. You're in. Boom. We're yeah, adding boom. it. We'll, we'll have to add that to the next glossary, of yeah, course. The boom um, part. And, and you're in, and then you can talk about the wrestling. Right. If you want to talk about Ken Patera's hair, that's the place. That, it's the top Ken Patera's hair group it on is. the internet. No, trending, really. Yeah, trending uh, topic. <laughs> but really, the whole point of our group on Facebook is we understand that a lot of uh, pockets of the IWC can be very negative, very cynical, very quick to jump on people with ad hominem attacks mm-hmm. if they have a contrary retro wrestling opinion. And we try to not do that. What we do is you can present your opinion. You can present a thesis of why you think Hulk Hogan is bad or why you think Roddy Piper is really good. Whatever. The point is, whatever. You just come over to our Facebook group. You say it. But we have one rule. We're transitioning now. The rule used to be don't be a dingus. But Quinn, right. we are transitioning to what? Don't be a dunderhead. Don't be a dunderhead. I'm still okay? figuring it out. <laughs> I'll get it. It's just take this one word with D yeah. and switch it with another. Lots of say. Yes. Don't be a D. How very, about that? Very D. That you could just... Don't be a Dr. D. <laughs> yeah, don't be Dr. D. What? <laughs> I feel fake! <laughs> no, but really, though, if you want to just talk about old wrestling, have some fun, and, and hang out with a lot of cool people on there, honestly, Facebook is the place to be for that. Also, if you like us, let's say you've been listening maybe since episode one or maybe episode 100 or last week, and you're like, oh, these guys are fun, and you want more... We actually review every WWF pay-per-view in order. We started with WrestleMania 1. Out right now is SummerSlam 91. 
coming out next month is not only the Survivor Series, but allegedly Tuesday in Texas. Maybe, we don't know. We're not sure. We have I to talk know. to people about it and there's, find there's, out. There's sponsors. It, it's, yeah. it's the whole thing. There's negotiations going on Lots right of now. red tape. Yeah. Uh, but I'll tell you what's an easy tape to cut is the Patreon. You just go there, patreon.com slash OVP podcast. You'll get all those pay-per-view reviews for just $5 a month. That's not a day or a week. It's one month. If you can swing it, give it a shot. Uh, but there's also a $2 tier, the new consolidated $2 tier, which not only includes the raw video, that means the making of every single episode. That's fun. But you also get bi-weekly 1983 reviews. Ooh. Yes, that's the separate canon. Very different canon. All sorts of stuff goes on in there, and it's in video or audio form. Wow. Basically, the point is, if you like us, well, we like you too. And if you want more content, you just go to patreon.com slash OVP podcast. You can give us two bucks, five bucks, whatever you want, and you get a lot of extra stuff. That's the point. It's very content-based. Yes. Patreon.com slash OVP podcast. You swing it, we bring it. (laughs) With that said, Michael... I can't top that in any way, shape, or form. Uh, thank you guys again for 200 episodes, four years in real time since 2016. We've done something uh, for this week that we've never done before, Michael. Yes. It's a documentary that came out wow. many moons ago. Very moony. And, <laughs> he's not in it, don't worry. <laughs> Walk away. What do you think you're wrestling? Not that kind of moony. <laughs> the incredible strength of Crush as he continues moony, to... Moony, moony, moony. Why do you waste your time doing the events center? You don't do a good job. What it is, it's called the A&E Unreal Story of Professional Wrestling. Now, background on this, okay? Well, what's A&E? First of all, what's (laughs) A&E? Well, A&E was uh, the Arts and Entertainment Network, and that got started in 1984. For quality you can see, keep watching A&E. But when it came out in 1984 on cable, we know cable, the main thrust, if you will, was exactly what the initials stand for arts and entertainment so it's very highbrow well wrestling falls perfectly within <laughs> arts and entertainment right, it's, it's it's what the network really was created to feature obviously arts and sports entertainment yeah, yeah. also known as arse uh, yeah. thank you oh brother this guy stinks you might know it for its biographer series that it's done you might know it for uh, reality shows which it became much more famous for in the early 2000s Pawn stars. Yep. <laughs> is, that, is that what they do over there? Which is the one with the shittier, greasier guy? There's har- uh, hardcore pawn. Hard, why are they more hardcore? This guy ever shows his face in this store again, we're going to kick his ass. That guy looks is it greasy. Like, is it like in an alley? Greasy. <laughs> I can't watch any of that no, shit. No, it's horrible. Like, it's like so boring to me. It's, it's just like I got an bad. autographed picture of Mickey Mantle. Good for you. Like, <laughs> I don't care. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you're just watching people fucking haggle. Yeah. Just go to the flea market if you want to see that. You can do it for your for yourself. You can see it in person. Anyway, in 1998, A&E unleashed a documentary called The Unreal Story of Professional Wrestling. Now, I want to be clear here. It took me some digging to find out the actual air date of this, and I want to explain. Why was it a mystery? I saw this one it aired. I did too. Okay. I remember watching this, yes. and I wasn't sure at the beginning, but I remember seeing this and probably seeing it more than once right. because as a kid you know like it's like oh this is on <laughs> right. wrestling and it's like two in the afternoon on a weekend yeah. and, you're, and you're like it's not on right now so this is the best i'm gonna get <laughs> and the reason it was hard to track down the date is because some sources listed as 2000 and i said no there's no way maybe that was a dvd or a videotape release well considering wcw looked the way it looked in yeah. this it's definitely not that no and some said 99 mm-hmm. so i just did some searching 
And uh, it was 1998, as I thought. It aired a lot in 1998, but the actual premiere was late April of 1998. And you could tell when this was filmed, when we really get into it, and who they interview and where they interview them. Is this the kind of premiere where they just, one day it was on, right? It's not like they announced it. It's like, oh, big wrestling documentaries coming A&E. You know, I don't remember, but they might have. To tell you the truth, a lot of reviews on this are very positive because... Of the way they handle wrestling compared to a lot of the hit pieces that were going on around the same That's time. That's true, but they don't they don't shy away from their like, mm, it's violent now crap. Absolutely. So basically, to set the stage, then this comes out right smack dab in the middle of eighty three weeks being broken. Oh, it's really? literally that time, of April of ninety eight. That right. Just, that's just a coincidence. coincidence. I was in the can for months. You can tell it was made in 97. That's late, what I was going to say. I was like, a lot of this footage looks 97, especially when they're considering certain people as yep. big stars. Exactly. Late 97, it seems to be produced. Uh, but it came out right around the time where WWF was as hot, finally, as WCW. So it's a big time for wrestling. Big time. Big time. Big time. Big time. Slip to base. Big time. With that said, why don't we get into it here? It's the any unreal story of professional wrestling. And Quinn, you had some initial thoughts before right, you got like into I this. Said, I I swore, like as soon as this started, I'm like, I have definitely seen this in the mountain of A and E crap that was produced <laughs> in the nineties. Exactly. Like I was like, I actually liked A and E because they because I like history and like yeah. technology and stuff like Good that. And they have all these how how did this get made and how you know what's the history of this or that right. It, it wasn't like the History Channel where it was like, and Pharaoh was like, <laughs> aliens came down and told them to build the pyramids or some shit. No, this is more about J. Edgar Hoover buying dresses and stuff like that. You know what I'm right. saying? Over, I mean, you gotta have that entertainment, and right? And the arts. Exactly. <laughs> also, I guarantee they will get dates wrong, and they'll have some nerd saying wrestling <laughs> is too violent. Like, those two things, this is like, like I said, before I watched it, these are the two things that went through my head. Those are your pregame thoughts, if you yeah. will. All right, let's get into it here. We have a classy intro to stars. We see a lot of old-timey wrestling posters, along with a very nice song playing yeah. in the background. We pan up from a smoky bar. Like, I'm not even kidding. Yeah, it's real. <laughs> and the song, I'm breathless. <laughs> That's what I think of when I think of wrestling. <laughs> what is this song? I don't like, know, what the fuck? It's very jazzy in, like, I just, 40s. I just don't get what they're going for with this theme. Maybe because if you're in a bear hug, you're breathless. Other than the only thing I can think of is like they're trying to harken back to the like fifties. Yeah, they are. But this is more of a forties style song, like so it. it's like yeah. uh, wrestling wasn't even that big of a deal then. Well, let's find out, Michael. No. Well, uh, we'll find out. I mean, they <laughs> ta- they tell us. They do. Uh, executive producer, if you care, is Don Cambo. Just so you know, yeah, him. Uh, narrated by Steve Allen. Wait, what? <laughs> Noted Jimmy Snuka underpants expert Steve <laughs> Allen. The one and the same, Michael. Wow. Yeah, so I want to talk about him for a second. Steve Allen, who we had what mentioned. What was he doing in 1997? Not much, honestly. He's old. He, yeah, he was. He obviously, to wrestling fans, would be most famous for his pretty fucking funny WrestleMania 6 it's, appearances. It's amazing. They're yeah. really good. Yeah, he's one of the better guests. He is. Uh, the Bolsheviks in the men's room, right, obviously. Yeah. The Jimmy Snuka underpants comment. Mm-hmm. The uh, Rhythm and Blues Hall of Fame, you know, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame right. bit. You know, some people might be, maybe there's people who don't watch wrestling listening to this. Not sure about that. But <laughs> maybe there are and they're like, wait, it wasn't Steve Allen from something else. Wasn't he the original host of The Tonight Show? Right. Yes. He was just one of those like rap pack kind of figures, like a, a yeah, roasting sort of guy. That like time. a he was, he was just a comedian in his day. He was a comedian. He was a musician. Uh, he was witty. And very, I think he was his, a writer, too. He was I think a writer. He wrote, like, a lot of sh- like sitcoms and stuff he like may that. Have. Yeah, like, I thought that he did that. Very uh, witty guy. Very funny. And he also, believe it or not, 
got started as a wrestling announcer in 1949. Oh, did he now? Yes, he did. I didn't that. know about that. I don't know how long his stint was, well, and there's no footage of it. That makes the make sense, because he's just hearkening back to, oh, when I called wrestling. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, but let's quit stalling here, obviously. Yep. <laughs> Shut up. As we cut to Shawn Michaels and Triple H getting punched out of the ring in 97. What a juxtaposition. Very, very, very relevant. <laughs> very. Yeah. Steve Allen says, professional wrestling, either you love it or you don't watch it. Or maybe you do watch it and you won't admit it. Yeah, I think that covers everything, Steve. Mm-hmm. As we see Vader enter and then some WCW clips. And Steve Allen tells us that 25 million people watch this every week. A lot of people. Every week, upwards of 25 million Americans watch professional wrestling on television. Well, what, are they counting sec- the world? Well, wait a second, actually. That might be true. They, are, they might be counting the world. I'm not even joking because remember WF used to have that weird statistic? Over 100 million people watching. Yeah, maybe. Like in that, that stupid opening with the blue. Yeah. With the, you, you know what I'm talking <laughs> the about. The bragging opening yeah, with yeah, the blue. Yeah. It's like in over 6 million countries. It's like that's not even possible. For 6,000 years. Yeah, for 6,000 <laughs> years straight. Top rated. <laughs> anyway, Steve Allen asked a bunch of questions like, why don't you find the winners in the sports pages? Are there rules? How many champions are there? What do those hand signals mean? <laughs> Does it hurt? Was it ever real? Does this hurt? Is Steve Allen Art Donovan I, with I, these questions? I, I, honestly, Steve Allen, like, he should know because yeah, he, he was he's there. the original wrestling announcer, <laughs> exactly. obviously. So I guess he can answer these questions. We're going right? to have to find out. Yeah. Uh, you see other sports based on competition, we're told, as we see clips of baseball and football from like 1901. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> I think it was probably a literal pig skin they were playing with. <laughs> uh, Dusty Rhodes said it's a glamour sport. <laughs> Random women call it ballet. It's ballet! It's like ballet! Dan Gable, some Olympic champion, I don't know or care, says it's a demonstration of holds and theatrics. Yeah, holds, if you like arm locks. (laughs) I bet Vern liked him. Yeah, yeah, definitely. (laughs) DDP says it's entertainment! But so is basketball. Look at Rodman. So- his only like that's his only ad hoc like all the time when he's trying to mainstream wrestling because he's like I worked with Rodman so he passed down the knowledge yeah. to me that basketball is the same as wrestling. Like I'm not. It's not the first time I've heard him say something it's like, like go to line. He's like you look at Rodman. He's he's entertaining. And then he says so is football. Look at Dion. I guess yeah. that's a good point. Then the king, Jerry Lawler, pops in to say... Remember King? Yeah, remember King? It's like a real soap opera. Yeah, I agree. It is kind of like a real soap opera. I like soap opera, so no wonder I like it. <clears throat> One life to live. Yeah. Uh, some lady agrees, too, as we see Mongo and Deborah. Then a bunch of wrestling shirts and a video control room. It's televised, Quinn, in 85 countries. Oh, there you go. There it is. See, they're bragging, too. Ric Flair and his bowl cut. They come in and he's like, in true life... They're the most recognized athletes, which I don't know if that's, that's not true. No. But Hollywood okay. Hogan <laughs> comes mm-hmm. in to say, you know, we're the greatest athletes in the world without a doubt, but we're also the greatest actors, which is very rich coming from Hulk well, Hogan. I mean, Academy Award winning Hulk Hogan. Mr. Nanny Hulk Hogan. Yeah, exactly. I hate kids. I hate kids. Some random kid likes when they be slamming each other and throwing chairs. <laughs> and then we go I to, like when they go to the random 90s great. kids. Like, they're just like, yeah! <laughs> they're throwing chairs! Fucking Fuck rules. <laughs> and then Vern Gagne pops and he's like, oh, I guess it's like skating. Yeah, in his Lake Minnetonka <laughs> house. And I'm not even kidding. It's like very much in the and background. wood. You know what the weird thing about seeing that house is? It's the first time I think I've seen it in the daytime. You ever notice it's always <laughs> dark back there? Well, isn't it like in the wrestler of the movie? Yeah. And it's, it's like all dark. With the fucking fireplace going and and I, that's I not even the only time Billy like, Robinson yeah there, there's also on that WF documentary about AWA yeah but it's like poorly lit the sad history of AWA or whatever yeah, it's called the, the spectacular yes. legacy or whatever it is uh, Vern says uh, you know there's judges in skating so maybe we should have judges in wrestling please no <laughs> just no why hit 
What is his vision of wrestling? In all seriousness, because I don't get it. It's the Olympics, yeah, but like it's a little, awful. a little fancier. Yeah. Well, maybe it's a lot like uh, maybe skating. I don't know. At least Vern's jolly. Anyway, some hick lady says, "Now it's real, a fake." As opposed to what? When it was real in the 80s? I don't know. And some metal nerds like, yeah, it's fake, but it hurts. <laughs> Big metal hair. <laughs> Very much like, oh, I like wrestling. Iron Maiden fan. Yeah. You know it. You know I, he hey, liked Iron Maiden. I don't begrudge him for no, it. No, they're good. Yeah. Vince McMahon. Yes, that Vince. He's like, Vince McMahon. <laughs> yeah, Vince McMahon. He's like, we do a magic show. Wow. And I'm not going to tell you how we do it. <laughs> is this about Undertaker and Kane or something? <laughs> what? What is that line? Just call me fucking Blackstone. Uh, anyway, Jeff Jarrett, uh, he's like, for those who believe, you don't need an explanation. But for those who don't believe, no explanation will do. That's fair. He never drew a dime, though. Yeah, that's true. Steve Allen says, whether or not you believe, there's been a lot of changes in wrestling over the years. You don't even need to have a good memory. Just look at the amateur wrestling. There's no chairs or baseball bats in the Olympics. I you were going to say, look at the adjective. Just look at the adjective. Allen basically like, just look at real wrestling. It stinks. <laughs> like, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, History was shitty. That's what it was. <laughs> Vern pops in again. He's like, well, everyone breaks the rules, so ah, it's not a real sport. There's no rules. Fuck these kids. <laughs> like, he's so mad. Yeah. It's not a real sport. Like, no fucking shit. Yeah. What do you... <laughs> Never... It wasn't when he did it either. Never in his... Well, maybe when he was in Duluth or whatever. I Duluth. don't know. Duluth. What is that thing where they show, I was born in, like, on the Spectacular Legacy where he's all old and they show pictures from, like, the 20s. I was born in the Spaghetti Factory. Like they, they wouldn't let us go to the Olympics because we weren't good enough or something. Remember? Yes, I remember. Steve Allen says the fans don't mind, though, as we go back now 100 years ago when wrestling was actually the most popular spectator sport. As we see men and women in hats walking the streets just yep. to denote that it's old. Old-timey footage. Yeah. Uh, stars like Frank Gotch and George Hackenschmidt, as we then see Sean beating up Mankind with a garbage can. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> this is real. This we, is like, I couldn't, I'm, Joe, I couldn't fucking believe this shit. I'm not kidding about this. Yeah. We see cave paintings now with wrestling. Yeah, with noted PWI wrestler of the year 4085 BC, Ric Flair getting <laughs> one up on his rival, Barney P.S. Rubble. <laughs> like, I'm not even, come on. P.S. <laughs> P.S. <laughs> anyway, the Egyptians loved it. There's even hieroglyphics and murals of it. I think that's Vern Gagne and Stu Hart on that one. Yeah, beat your dick in the ground. Uh, the, the Egyptians said things like, I'm going to make you fall and faint away right in front of Pharaoh. This is all real. Steve <laughs> Allen says this. He like translates all these phrases that it's, they used to amazing. say. I'm going to pin you. I'll make you weep in your heart and cringe with fear. Uh, anyway, we cut to Farouk bitching about Steve Austin. What? I don't know. <laughs> what does that have to do with this? Uh, anyway, the Greeks and Romans gave us Greco-Roman and all that no-holds-barred shit. You know, it usually ended in death as we cut to Goldust versus Undertaker in a casket match. Specifically because Steve Allen said death in the last sentence. Yes. Like, I'm not even kidding. No, that's real. Very ham-fisted, yeah. you'd call that. Yep. I can't believe this is a real sentence, by the it's way. It's amazing. Plato was a wrestler in his salad days. Yes, salad days. A phrase that you and me always make fun of because it's weird. <laughs> it's just it, a weird phrase that no one our age what uses. What is your salad When you're day? younger. What is the salad regarding? I don't know. Is that like because salad like gets crappy real quick or something? So when you're young, <laughs> you're in your real salad quick. days? I don't, I don't know. I'm just, try, I'm just grasping at straws here trying to understand salad days. Seriously, I can't believe that's real, but... They also had wrestling in India with really long time limits. Yeah, and I'm sure Johnny V didn't want to sit through that. They said it was like, how many? Like, like five. Five. Come on. <laughs> that sucks. No wonder nobody wanted to watch this shit. <laughs> also, the Native Americans did the wrestling as we cut to Wahoo McDaniel for a second. Like, a, not even, like, a, a less than a second. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, there he is. <laughs> uh, it was also very popular in Ireland. 
And then in Vermont, a bunch of guys from Ireland were very influential in bringing wrestling to the United States. Right, so the Irish, they were like, let's bring this here. Because they love to fight. Maybe that's where Potato Punch came from. Potato potato Punch. Anyway. What's that mean? Don't worry about it. Did you know that Abe Lincoln, George Washington, Mm -hmm. Zachary Taylor, William Howard Taft, and Calvin Coolidge were all wrestlers? I don't think that's true, because look at Calvin Coolidge. He's (laughs) definitely not a wrestler. He's like the nerd president. When every time I look at Calvin Coolidge, I'm like, oh, that's the nerdy guy president. He's one of the early ones to not have that thick mustache, right? Yeah, so he's I always look at him. One of them. And I'm figuring he's like got like whatever they had back then, like abacuses or something. Yeah, he's like, Abakai. oh, I got to make sure there's enough crops in America. Like like that he's like like doing math or something. Now Taft, I could buy as a wrestler because yeah. that was a big boy. Big fat guy. Super yeah. heavyweight material. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> Calvin Coolidge, I don't yeah, know. I don't think so. Uh, but anyway, Abe Lincoln had over 300 matches. And Damn. During- <laughs> yeah. And during the Indian Wars, he won a match to command the unit. Like, what the fuck? There's that's no how, way. That's how we make our decisions around. It's like this guy. Let's wrestled, wrestle. This guy wrestled really good. I want to be the commander. No, I want to be the. Let's okay, wrestle. Let, let's do it right, guys. Like, you know, like the corporal or something. He's like, okay, down the middle. Have three, a good clean two, fight. A clean fight. Let's get it on. Let's get it on. <laughs> Anyway, pro wrestling began after the Civil War as prize fights in small towns, much like boxing, right? When the 20th century hit, wrestling was an established international sport, and a bunch of Europeans laid claim to the world title. I've heard of none of these people, by the way. (laughs) Me neither. But here in the USA, promoters wanted to find their own champion, which brings us to 1901, where George Hackenschmidt had been the toast of Europe. Now, Mike Chapman... Some historian extols Hackenschmidt's virtues. He's a big uh, Hackenschmidt yeah, fan. Yeah, he acts like he remembers, <laughs> like he was there. He may have been the most perfectly developed physical specimen the world had ever seen at that point. <laughs> and he tells like, us, "I remember him. I remember him. He's good. He was good. He, he's like forty. Yeah, like, he he's is. not even that old." <laughs> so uh, we're told that Hackenschmidt had one move: a bear hug and an inside trip. First of all, that's two moves. Two whole holes. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> and second of all, people make fun of the warrior. Well, yeah, and they, and then the. Everyone just respects George Hackenschmidt. <laughs> like, the, like WCW won't shut up. Our our belt leads back to George Hackenschmidt, which isn't true. Yeah, remember when Tony Schiavone really did say like Abe Lincoln? He, he, no, he would. Yeah, he would be. He would say Abe Lincoln, and then he would skip like fifty years, and he'd be like, "Of course, legends like Abe Lincoln, George Hackenschmidt, and Frank Gosh yeah. were the champions, and Dory Funk Jr. are WCW champions. <laughs> yeah. Like what? Uh, Imagine <laughs> fucking Abe Lincoln, WCW champion. It's amazing." <laughs> They would have fucked up his push yeah. play that much. Anyway, apparently, uh, George Hackenschmidt sold out the London Opera House. Because women thought he was hot. That's it's real. They're like, they're basically like, yeah, women thought he was attractive. They went to see him. Cut to Dr. Gerald W. Morton. What? The co-author of From Wrestling to Wrestling. He needs to shut up just for that. What a nerd. <laughs> Sorry. It's like, what a fucking nerd. Seriously. In the Gaslight era, the theatrical component of wrestling was beginning to emerge. Anyway, Hackenschmidt arrived in the USA in 1908 to take on Frank Gotch, and after two hours and three minutes, Gotch went for two his... Two hours? <laughs> Jeez, that's a really long freaking match. Yes, it is. You can watch an episode of, like, Lonesome Dove and then Mama's Family yeah, in that geez, time frame. good lord. Anyway, Gotch went for his dreaded step-over toehold, and Hackenschmidt gave up the world title to him. So now Sheldon Goldberg, who, I don't know, talks about how Gotch was the early 20th century version of Hulk Hogan. Was he from Venice Beach? What? 
<laughs> Such a weird comparison. Remember Gotcha Mania? Yeah. Uh, that, that'd be a good one for Matthew. Gotcha yeah. Mania. Gotcha Mania. There you go. <laughs> After their match, Hackenschmidt accused Gotcha of cheating. Basically, there's like too much oil or something. Yeah, like that was the actual complaint. Yeah. Used oil. Used too much oil. What the fuck? Maybe that's how motor oil got involved. Oh, there you go. From the beginning. From the beginning. They, of course, they didn't have baby oil back then. They just had whatever was around. Yeah, because there were no babies back then. Right. And motor oil, they, the, the newer cars, they needed you know to oil up all the time. So I was like, just give me that Castrol, you know? <laughs> give me that Castrol. So anyway, Gotcha and Hagelman had a big rematch in Comiskey Park, which was brand new in 1911. Over 33,000 people were there, which, Quinn, that's insane. <laughs> that's pretty crazy that's, for, like, back then. This is a hundred over 100 years ago. Yeah, over 100 years ago. It's like, like, sporting events were big back then, but I don't think that's really big. It's really big for, yeah. for wrestling, you yeah. know, which was ridiculed for most of this 20th century. Not back then, though. They still, it was still real here. It was still real yeah. here. In this match, Gotch paid some German wrestler to attack Hackenschmidt in a training match. Gotch just paying some fuck to yeah. injured Hackish. What is that? <laughs> but you know what? Gotta put a fixer in there. Yeah, but Siri, what <laughs> yeah. a jerk. But anyway, Luthez confirms it. He was like eyewitness. And I'm not, you know what the sad part is? Is like, he, he might almost could have been. been. I'm not sure. He wasn't, but he wasn't. he like friends with these two or something? Or like was no. trained by them? No, no, no. Close, but no, no, no. Anyway, George's knee was all fucked up for this 1911 rematch, so Gotch easily won. But George still got his share of the purse money. Yeah, his share of $90,000. Like, damn, that's actually like an excessive amount of money in the beginning of the 20th century. That's like, you could, that's like practically being a millionaire. Yeah, can some, yeah. Just think about it. It's like, you could buy all your groceries for like a nickel or something. Like, I'm not even kidding. No, a you nickel. know what I mean? Like, it, it, yes. like it's crazy back then. Someone should do a, someone want to do us a quick favor and convert that to now and what that would be. So it, it, it's probably, I'm going to say it's probably like 2.5 million. Maybe, maybe like $800,000 or something. Okay. It's still a lot of money. Someone please, uh, 1911, $90,000, what that would be now. Okay. Anyway, the media got all pissy about this wrestling because the matches were too long. I don't blame them. Chapman says the matches were like five hours. <laughs> like, what the hell? That's insane. That is. That's too much. Yeah. You could drive to Canada from here, practically. You could. <laughs> you make it in time before the match was over. They think that's long, though. Wait till they get to those WWF tapings in the 90s. Oh, boy, oh my man. goodness. Anyway, Frank got retired in 1915, undefeated, by the way. But by that time, no one was really covering wrestling anymore. Well, so. it's too long. Like, <laughs> exactly. They're like, okay. They all died yeah, waiting for the match to finish. We saw the best match. What the fuck? Yeah. Like, we don't need to s stick around any longer. <laughs> so the idea of wrestling as an entertainment option got started in carnivals after the Civil War. And they were run by, guess what? Con artists. Of course hey, they were. Just like now. Yeah. P.T. Barnum, really? Of Barnum and Bailey? Well, he did have the biggest circus, so it kind of makes yeah. sense, right? Like, of course, if it was part of the carny thing, he's good. the best carny's got to have the best shit, right? Where was Bailey? I don't know. Maybe not yet. Well, wasn't that like a later thing where they like yeah. teamed up or something? Yes, yes. Like they were both separate circus people. What a weird thing where like the biggest circuses merge. That is like some laissez-faire capitalism weird shit. Like we're like, you know what I mean? Like these like it happens all the time. When I just mean to say like these the, the fact because I know capitalism was a little more ramp, like even more wilder in the late. 20, the late 19th century and stuff. Yeah. The fact that two circus companies could get so big that they would merge with the like that nobody would ever do that now because it's just who gives a shit? It's the circus. Vince McMahon would. He would. He would merge with his competition. Yeah, I mm. guess, but uh, he's mm. not the circus. Mm. 
<laughs> anyway. It's a fucking carny festival. Like what? I know. And P.T. Barnum here uh, used colorful costumes and backstories for his wrestlers. So we're getting somewhere here. There you here. go. He's the first booker or something. The first booker. <laughs> yeah. The carny wrestlers would take on all the challenges, but most of them were hookers. Hey, not that kind. Mm -hmm. Let's not get funny here. To make sure they couldn't lose. These hookers were the most feared men in wrestling. As Luthez now pops in to talk about Ed Santel from Germany. A good hooker. A very good hooker. <laughs> Ed Santel was a great wrestler from Germany. A very good hooker. Very good hooker. Ray Steele, Fred Grumbler, Farmer Burns. Oh, there he is. There he is. Ed, our hero, <laughs> yes, Farmer Burns. That's right. And they didn't, Lou says, to make money. See, that's why I love Luthez. Yeah, because he doesn't... As he, old no, school no, as it gets. No fucking bullshit. <laughs> yeah. It's like, they did it because they want to get paid. He's not like but, it's an art form. Yeah, he's, it's like it's, it's business. It's a like, job. It's like you want to make 40 bucks at the end of the night or whatever the hell. Yeah, like, exactly. Now, we're told one notch down in this hierarchy is the shooter. Right. Who's a competent wrestler. Okay. Then the low men were the journeymen. You know, the jobbers, which... Can you think of anything worse than being like a 1910 jobber? Yeah, because <laughs> literally you're just eating beans every day. I mean, seriously, you're just anybody in the circus. I like beans. Yeah. <laughs> See, like, working in the circus seems like it sucks. Yeah, like, I don't think it's good. You gotta travel, you don't get paid a lot. It's like wrestling. And if there's any circus people, you know, listening to the podcast on the on the way to the next town or whatever on the train, but I, I in feel, the 40s? I feel bad for you. Sorry. Just, we're with you. Over here, we understand. <laughs> anyway, eventually these carnies would become promoters and handle their own territories. And this is when the true competition aspect gave way to entertainment. Mm -hmm. But guess what? Most people couldn't tell. Between 1910 and 1915, a young carny named Ed Strangler Lewis toured Europe. He knew an illegal sleeper hold, so that's apparently good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And when he did the sleeper hold in Paris... The fans thought it was a stranglehold. Le stranglehold. Is that what they said? Yes, they did. And they said, ha ha. Thus his nickname. Yeah, the French fucking love this shit, huh? He strangled him. Le strangle. Le strangle. I wonder if that's how you say it. Yes. Le strangle. Oh, definitely. Okay. No, you're right. Parlez-vous go fuck yourself up the ass, you hot dog eating Yankee fucker. Uh, anyway, he came back to the USA in 1915 as an international star. Luthez calls... Ed Strangler Lewis, the greatest wrestler of all time. Mike Chapman, who was there, obviously, right. agrees. Big, big eyewitness to it all. <laughs> yes. And promoters realize that for people to actually be interested in a wrestling match, something had to be at stake, preferably a title. But Ed Lewis, see, could legit win any belt he wanted, so a lot of people wouldn't book him because they're like, he's going to win. So he went out to Chicago and teamed up with Billy Sandow. And Toots Mott. There, there it is. They're WF. Here yep. they are. They're already here. <laughs> He's creeping in. fucking 15. <laughs> and they formed, of course, the Gold Dust Trio. They literally were just like, oh, fuck, there's no wrestler that can beat him. Let's make our own shit up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> So this turned into big business here, and Toots figured, this is why Toots is smart, by Very the way. Very Toots. Very Toots. Toots of the town. <laughs> he figured that the public didn't want to just see scientific Matt wrestling, and he knew this. In 1915, and Vern Gagne never caught he on. fucking figured it out. <laughs> he, like, knew this after the Titanic sunk. That's Mont, a fucking visionary. And Vern's like, no, I think we can do good with Brag Rangans. <laughs> Stop. Shut up. Anyway, Toots put together the concept of the wrestling show, like the card. Yep. It includes, uh, he introduced time limits. Thank goodness. <laughs> like, we needed it. We did. Uh, and then in 1921, Ed Lewis legitimately defeated Joe Stecker to win the world title. But the promoters knew the best way to keep the fans interested was just to keep the title moving. 
Now, Mike Chapman, again, eyewitness yeah, so to he, all he this. He was there, 1920s. He was there. He says this was the turning point for wrestling. Now, in the 20s, the Goldust Trio had 500 wrestlers <laughs> under contract. That's insane. What even is that roster? That's amazing. Yeah, but they could get away with it. They're probably paying people like pennies. Like, literally. Like, I'm not even kidding. <laughs> yeah, the old ones before the Lincoln Memorial was yeah. on the back of them, too. Uh, anyway, they basically controlled everything in the Goldust Trio, from the matches, the bookings, the finish. Steve Allen says, all right, by this point now, the legitimate contests were gone. Yeah, the shoots took place in the parking lot or something, yeah. like to settle, I guess. Yeah. I, that's basically what he, he essentially says. is like, well, they beat the shit out of each other before, and then they like fake it later. Yeah, like, pretty much. decide who would win or something. <laughs> I don't know. It's real. Now, Luthez says a performance is like an exhibition match. A shoot is real. It's a contest. And he calls a submission a concession hold, which makes me love him even more. He's like, you know, you have your concession holds. The shoot is when it's for money, marbles, or chalk going right down the middle, and it's a contest. And that uh, consists of either a pinfall or a concession hold. Only Lou. I love him. Uh, anyway, handsome Jim Londos was a big star out of the 20s, born in Greece. His gimmick was he was good looking and he'd face ugly assholes. I'm not, that's, <laughs> that's what real. they say. It's like, oh, he just face ugly people. But <laughs> real. What? And then we cut to Sean versus Mankind. Right. You know, to exemplify See? that. See? See, they do it now. <laughs> anyway, Londos got a lot of women into the arenas. I bet he did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. By the 30s, wrestling really wasn't thriving. Yeah, because everyone was poor. <laughs> Would they heard, not heard of the Great Depression? Yeah, what do they want it to be? A booming nothing business? Nothing was thriving. No. Absolutely nothing. Speakeasies. Yeah. <laughs> even that, they like got yeah, rid of it. I know. Like, because they were like, everyone just wants to get drunk. Yeah. That's, even, that's real. That's still a thing. <laughs> Could you imagine your, the country is so like in the dumpster, like this thing, that this illegal thing, alcohol? Yeah, alcohol. Like that they're just like, you know what? We just don't want anybody to be miserable. Just let them drink. They just like, <laughs> just make it legal again. I don't freaking blame them, honestly. Yeah. Anyway, Jack Pfeffer, uh, (laughs) a shunned promoter, maybe because he's an idiot, he told all of these New York sports writers about how wrestling was fake and people stopped going. You know, that's not nice. Mm -hmm. And apparently the low point was when this drunk press agent sent out the the newly newly legal alcohol. (laughs) Striking. (laughs) He sent out the results of the next day's card. You know, that reminds me of something. Yeah. Was Samu maybe there? Right. At, right before WrestleMania 10. He tends to be there during these types of moments. I'm anyway, sure he was involved with Toots Mont. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, wrestling was now a laughing stock. Aw. But in 1936, Ed Strangler Lewis, who had already retired, wrestled a workout match with Luthez and Mike Chapman, key witness to all of this. Yes. He was right there. He's been there since the Greek times or whatever. Yeah. He actually did the cave painting. He puts over Luthez. You know what? As should everybody. Yeah, he's good. He's good at everything. Very good. He's a good talker. He's a good commentator. He's a good referee. He's a good wrestler. He's a gentleman. I love him. I love Luthez. Anyway, Harley Race suddenly appears to say how unique Luthez was. Harley with the short hair. (laughs) It's like the later era. It's the haircut that he used when he appeared on that NBC wrestling thing with the shadow. Haircuts for men. The secrets of wrestling on NBC where he's the booker. I wonder if it's the same. Just just turn the light off. Yeah. Anyway, Ed Lewis thought that Lou was so good, he became his manager. I swear they show a picture of Luthez as standing next to Lou Grant. No. I'm not even... What is that picture? It's Strangler Lewis. Wait, that's him? Yeah. Why did he turn into Lou Grant? Because he was old. <laughs> he looks like Lou... It's not fun. Lou Grant. He does. He looks like him. That's Ed Asner, in case yeah. you forgot, but no, it's not. I, saw, I was like, oh, look, two Lou's right next to <laughs> each other. It's not even his name, though. What do you mean? It's Ed Asner. What? <laughs> anyway, uh... 
King says uh, Fez dedicated his life to wrestling. By the way, King's hair is terrible <laughs> here. Like, it's awful. The flat, like, shower it's bowl the- cut. Now, you know what? I've always had a theory about this King hair. This specific King this hair. When he was running for mayor? No, what? no, no. I always thought that because he was, like, a heel that was, like, really fucking annoying, that he made his hair look stupid so that when his crown came off, it would, like, everyone would just point and laugh. Maybe. This, se- this seems like something King would do to get heat. Maybe, you know what I mean? It's bad, folks. This is yeah. like the Mo Howard haircut, it's practically, just, but yeah, shorter. Because King doesn't have this hair later. It's once no. he like becomes big friends with Jr. That hair starts to disappear. He has the short hair, right? right? They're the, just combed back yeah, or whatever. It's so much it's better. So much better. And I always thought that, like, oh, this has got to be intentional, right? Like King's like just so that, like, when somebody beats him up or something, everyone points and laughs at his hair. <laughs> Because that seems like something King would do, like Jerry Lawler, the per- like the the smart wrestler, right? Like, right. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're right about that. But at age 21, Luthez became the youngest world champion in history. Whoa! But guess what? In 1937, nobody cared about wrestling. Aww. Still, I know. Cut to Luthez, who again says, "Wrestling is a way to make money. Wrestling is a way to make money." He knows. I love him. He knows. He's honest. Yep. And he said, <laughs> he said some people lost matches where they could have legitimately beaten the other guy in 30 seconds. But if the money was there, they would do it. In 1938, a show at MSG drew less than 5,000 people. And the garden was just like, fuck this. We're not, we're, we can't. That's not even that bad of a crowd, though, if you think about it. Right. But they, they rather fill it with P.T. Barnum at that point. Oh, uh, good point. Yeah. Was Bailey with him yet? I think Bailey was already merged in by that point. Because Barnum said, hey, we want some Bailey. And there you go. Yeah. Said, ooh, ah, are you going to tame my lion? It's amazing that P.T. Barnum and Bailey went on for as I think it only went out of business like a couple years ago yeah, wasn't, like, it like, <laughs> wasn't it like it's in the Trump administration yeah it was like, like it was like three or four years ago it's like, they were like ago. it's the sad day they're finally closing down PT Barnum and <laughs> like holy shit what a fucking successful business it's been going out since like 1860 or that's something. a good point yeah <laughs> it's a good run it is a really good run now it was around this time by the way that wrestling in the late 30s tried to make a case for being an art form what I thought that was when AEW started it uh, was you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, we see a still of a guy wrestling a bear in a barn. I'm not kidding. <laughs> By the 40s, literally no one cared anymore, according to Steve Allen. It wasn't good for radio. The newspaper stopped caring. But TV happened. Uh, there, oh, there uh, it is. Oh, there it is. You know, and wrestling was perfect for the early days of TV because it was a family or communal experience. You could go to your friend's house and watch it at dinner parties. <laughs> like, um, this is what they show. They show, like... 50s families with their neighbors over. You know, Edith is showing Edna the Edith. fucking wrestling match on her TV. And like Look what the, I've got. And the two and the two dads are drinking soda pop because not in front of the kids. You know what I mean? Like that. It's like that's what we're looking at here. Not kidding. <laughs> Quinn, you're beautiful. Uh Luthez was all over this shit. He was yeah. he was like, Yeah, no, this is good. Yeah, Luthez, no. I love that Luthez is just good. Luthez, <laughs> he, he really witnessed everything. He did. He did, though. We bring up the Dumont Network because, of course, we have to. Was that just like, I always feel like they always bring up the Dumont Network because the Dumont Network probably just holds a distinction as the first one to get wrestling. So it's like always remembered yeah. in wrestling history. And it's also like the Black Sheep because ABC, CBS, and um, right. NBC lasted and Dumont they, didn't. It's like you know? two things. They like to point out that Dumont was the first one, but they also like to point it out because it makes it sound old. It does. I'm not though. even kidding. When did it go out of business? In the 50s? Yeah, like, I don't, I'm not kidding. Might have early 60s, but yeah. it, it didn't really make it much past the 50s. No. The, the first decade of TV or whatever. Right, right. But yeah, wrestling was cheap. Original programming, as we see in AWA clips shown, you know, the shitty curtain yep, in the that AWA always. studio. 
by the same time when like Vern was selling the fucking like oatmeal or whatever that was. Ovaltine. Yeah. It's good for you. Anyway, Steve Allen says that overnight because of TV, wrestling wasn't in the smoky arenas and beer hall. See? It was Uh, before Hogan when it came out. The smokies. (laughs) Smoky bars. For professional wrestling, TV truly was a miracle. Overnight, the sport was launched out of the smoky half-empty arenas and beer halls. That really is annoying that Gene says that. It's like once, but it's they've replayed it enough where you're just like, shut up. And they've retained that mentality, though. That's like their official party line. Oh, yeah, the WF is what brought it out, not the the show that was on TV for like 20 years before Vince McMahon showed up. Not even kidding. And don't forget the Comiskey Park era from like 1911. Like, it was, it ebbed and flowed. Exactly. Um, But anyway, clips of Gorgeous George are shown here, and then Buddy Rogers, and then a bunch of people I don't recognize, and then a cut to... Dr. Michael R. Ball. He looks like imitation Andy Warhol. This guy is extra nerdy. Like, super nerd. I like wrestling. Um, I I wrote doctorate degrees about wrestling. What? I wrote thesis about wrestling. Like, who is this guy? He's the author of Professional Wrestling as Ritual Drama in American Popular Culture. And this is what I mean. This is the fucking guy who works in academia his whole life. And writes a book about wrestling. Who the fuck read that? Yeah, nobody. Television provided an arena where uh, wrestlers could uh, uh, get their messages across. They could be seen. He says, uh, a real lot, and that wrestling was good or something. Yeah, thanks, Doc. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Steve Allen says that the good guys were known as baby faces, the villains as heels. The wrestling term is heels. Thank you. Cut to Killer Kowalski cutting some grumpy promo in the 60s. And then modern Killer Kowalski yelling like an old man. (laughs) (laughs) He's so, like, I cannot understand him him in this this whole thing. I have no idea what he's saying. He means well, though. I know he does, but I don't know. He doesn't have teeth. That's my whole career, to make the people notice you. I would have gone to a barbecue with him, though. I would have, too. Right? Have, like, a brat. Yeah, Killer Kowalski. Now, it, why is it that anytime I see Killer Kowalski in anything, he's wearing a full sweatsuit? Have you ever noticed this? It's comfy. It's just, I've never seen the guy wear a suit or anything not a sweatsuit. Is that like Jack LaLanne style attire? Yeah, it's, very... it's, it's like the full, the long sleeve sweat, yeah. sweatsuit. You know what I'm talking it's about. It's cozy, man. Yeah, I know, but I used to wear it when I was a kid, too. But, but I, was I, was a kid. Kid. I was a kid. This guy's fucking 80. You have a purple one? Probably I, right. I, I probably had a purple yeah. one. Yeah, yeah I had like did. all the like bright '90s colors, like in like, first, second grade, that kind of thing. Cerulean. Where you I know? was, where I was like, I ain't wearing jeans anymore. Fuck like that, those that, jeans. That was a phase in my life as Me a child too. that I distinctly remember. Where I was like, Mom, I'm not wearing jeans anymore. Sweatpants, parachute pants, sure. Yep. No jeans. Yep. Remember the the sweatsuit, but like the swishy kind with the coat, the matching coat. <laughs> yes. I had those. Good. Yep. They were fun. But anyway, stars were born during this period of time when TV started, such as Vern Gagne, mm-hmm. Argentina Rocca, Hans Schmidt, Dick the Bruiser, The Crusher, The Beast. No, definitely not a star. That's actually the hell. That's him. Yes. That's, hell, hell. That, that's really him because we reviewed that shit. <laughs> yep. Fritz von Erich and, of course, Luthez. Now, modern Luthez says TV changed people's perception because anyone on TV seemed like a movie star to people. What used to take six months now only took two weeks as far as popularizing a wrestler. Various clips are now shown under very festive music as we cut to modern, classy Freddie Blassie, who says, uh, 
He was out in California when TV started. Nice of Blasi to get out of his chair for this. Like, Hi. <laughs> <laughs> he came out of the black and white. Ooh. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I, always. Yep. When I was wrestling, as he's like, a tear comes to his eye. It's like <clears throat> WrestleMania is on, like, not a cable television. Watch it in the back of a pickup truck. Bunny ears TV. <laughs> it's like, real. He, like, you how, hate that. You hate it. <laughs> it pisses me off so much. Like, the pay-per-view event, WrestleMania, on bunny ears There's a bunch of villagers yeah, watching yeah, it yeah. outside of a hut. How the fuck is... How, who is their pay-per-view provider over the air? Like, how is that possible? It's <laughs> so annoying. I know. Anyway, most people didn't have TV, but you see, furniture stores would show wrestling from their showroom, you know, to the streets there. So people would just be walking by and they would watch the wrestling when it started. And Blassie says he was the second bleach blonde. Gorgeous George was the first. And Steve Allen says George Wagner, a trained psychiatrist, what? was the first true superstar in wrestling when he became Gorgeous George. The first and biggest superstar of the early TV era was a trained psychiatrist and journeyman wrestler named George Wagner, who became the star people love to hate when he assumed the peroxided, vain, and villainous ring persona of Gorgeous George. It was post-war America, and this guy was the opposite of macho, so people fucking hated it. I love that the gimmick is just act like a lady to piss people off. Like, just don't. That's act, all it is. Like, it's anything that's manly, don't do that. Yep. Like, essentially. And that's that it pissed everyone off. Brilliant. Yeah. It really was. Yep. It worked. Uh, Vern puts him over. Vern Gagne puts over Gorgeous George with a big smile on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was really good. Uh, anyway, clip of George yelling at the ref. Hey, get your filthy hands off of me. Yeah, and he's actually pretty funny. He's got comic timing and everything. Yeah, he knew what he was doing, man. Mm-hmm. Hey, get your filthy hands off of me. What a great gimmick. Seriously. Killer Kowalski now and his teeth, or lack thereof, say that George used TV for what it is, a form of advertising. That's true. He's not wrong. Uh, Steve Allen says that Gorgeous George was great at getting over with the fans. A little insider lingo there. It's a documentary behind the scenes a little bit, if you will. That's right. That's right. In 1959, Gorgeous George declared that he'd shave his head if he lost to Whipper Watson. And guess what? He lost in over 14,000 people. Yeah. A lot of people. They watched George get his head shaved, so he wanted the rematch. He bet his wife's hair, and guess what? Lost again. See, to me, I want to see the picture of his wife's head get shaved. Yeah, I don't know I what happened I've there. I think I looked this up because I heard about I've, this, I, yeah, and I, I was too. like, that must have been a real scene, because it's one thing that this wrestler guy gets shaved, but his wife? Yeah, I don't like, know if that's, that... That's insane. Did they do it, though? I don't know if he, like, weaseled out of it. We have, someone want to find out? <laughs> that's Merkel? A, I gotta say, that would be a very brave woman for her husband's, like, weird corny oh business like well, back then for a woman to have her head shaved i even mean now for a woman, even now but you know it's a yeah. lot more people i know don't... i know now it's a little more liberal but even now most women would not sign up to get their head shaved for the sake of wrestling for the sake of like a bet or something better be some good money in yeah that. Uh, anyway cut to buddy rogers now the nature boy luthez <laughs> says uh buddy rogers was the best performer for like 20 years and he clarifies not wrestler <laughs> but performer mm-hmm. Gene Kaniski out of nowhere pops up to put over Buddy Roger. <laughs> and then Moolah. Yes, that oh Moolah. Oh boy, here we go. Hey, was good. He had a natural body. I liked it. Ugh. Nah. Uh, Ugh. And then we cut to Steve Austin in 1997. Yeah, natural, natural body, body I yeah. guess. Yeah. Why didn't they just show like Lex Luger or something? He's wrestling now. It's a close parody. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> Killer Kowalski says uh, oh, he was very good, Buddy Rogers. And uh, he got to wrestle him in Montreal once. Rick Flair says there's only been one other nature boy, Buddy Rogers. Yeah, no shit. They just told us that. <laughs> what the 
Cut to a promo from Rogers in the 60s in the middle of the ring. Saying nothing remarkable no. at all. Because why that matters is because they go, yeah, Buddy Rogers is like the basis <laughs> of promos like for all wrestlers. And then he's just like, I am good. And Welcome then, to Rogers Corner. Right? It's not like, I'm sure he had a good interview. Oh, yeah. But this is not That's that. Not so why did, they com- why did they say that this set the stage or something? I like, don't it's know. It's a terrible example. It was a bad example. But you know what? He sounds the same as he yeah. did in the 80s. But there's one thing I want everybody to know, and that is, to a nicer guy, it couldn't happen. Uh, anyway, Flair talks about how nice Buddy dressed, you know, the big ring, cigar. Buddy set a template for the promos. Yeah, I don't think he did, Steve Allen. Mm-hmm. Uh, another big star was Antonino Rocca because he was all flippy and floppy with his feet, that general. Yeah, and he was drunk, too, as as we've seen. What do you mean? <laughs> what was that? It's like all sweaty. It's disgusting. Like it was so gross. I felt like he spilled scotch all over his shirt. Like it was just, it was nasty that that thing. Kept Remember? calling Vince General. Yeah, I was like, what is Shut he talking up, about? Leave. Anyway, it had G- nothing to do with like a thick accident. Everything to do with being drunk. Yeah. Like it was so obvious. He was. He was something. Yeah. Uh, Gene Kaniski says Antonino was very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luthez calls uh, Antonino an acrobat. He liked him. Wrestled him twice in the garden. They sold it out both times. But he wasn't a wrestler, <laughs> says, says Lou. I love it. He's clear. Lou is very, like, he don't fuck around. No, he doesn't fuck he, around. He tells you the truth, he's, Ruth. He's a... It's real. All right, he's, mayor. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, cut to Eddie Guerrero as we talk about ethnic people being popular. Cutting out of Vern Gagne, who turned pro in 1949. We see him all young with hair. By the way, when they said that ethnic line... Yeah. Why did they not bring up fucking Bruno San Martino at all in this entire thing? Hmm. Did you just... like? I just realized Yo, that. Yeah. Is that isn't he the emphasis of like the you know Italian guy who's the hero? You're right, and I guess spoilers, but not really. But yeah, Bruno's not mentioned a single time in this. Maybe yeah. he didn't want to. Yeah, well, don't Bruno, fucking talk about yeah, me. In the '90s, remember Bruno was very like, I'm not fucking doing this shit anymore. Yep. Like, do not contact me about wrestling. Yeah, is Vince McMahon in there? I don't want anything to do with it. It yeah. could have been that, you yeah. know. It's true because they don't they don't bring him up at all, which is it, it, that is weird. Whatever happened when Bruno left? There's notably something where he just was like, I'm never, like, if it involves Vince in any way, even if it's just like, I'm not in the same room, but like, he's on this thing. I'm yep. not being in it. Yeah. Like, I know. fuck that guy. No, that's really like, what happened for, yeah. until they finally reconciled. Yeah. And remember? then he was like, Mr. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'll do anything. I like Vince. Uh, yeah. I like Vince a big, lot. Big Vince friend was, over here. It was good though when they reconciled. It, it made was, me happy. It was, it was, I, it didn't make sense because like, Bruno must have known Vince since he was like a kid. Because he'd been with the company that long. So for him to get so mad at him, it's almost like a family feud. Like, almost, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, it, it, it was like a deep wound. That was Triple H that brokered that whole thing, wasn't it? Good. That actually was, yeah. yeah. Anyway, Vern Gagne had won two NCAA championships and was a member of the 1948 Olympics. Yeah, that we know. go to the Olympics, we, we, yep. notably. Yep. And then we get clips of uh, Gagne versus Luthez. Luthez, yeah, I wrestled him at least six times. Went 90 minutes with him at least <laughs> just four like times. Every single person that comes with yeah, I wrestled him. <laughs> yeah. And we wrestled uh, 20 times. Oh, yeah. uh, it was a good match. Masachono, yeah, I wrestled yeah, him. Yeah, of course. <laughs> he did. He did. Yeah. Anyway, Lou puts Vern over. Again, very cla- Luthez is very classy. Puts over everyone. He's like the centerpiece of this documentary in He's a lot fantastic. of ways. He's <laughs> fantastic. It's a real loss when he died. I know. Even though he was like a hundred practically. Yeah, he was so old. And yeah. he looks great here, by the way. This is This is we always say this. He looked good in his nineties. Yes. Like it's he looked insane. incredible. 
Anyway, Vern says, uh, yeah, my first match was against Abe King Kong Cashew. <laughs> like, what? That's not real. Yeah, that's what he said. Cashew? I don't know. I didn't even hear that. My first match, I wrestled a man named Abe King Kong Cashew, who was a bad, bad villain. And Abe untied Vern's shoe, told the referee, hey, his shoe's untied, and then kicked Vern in the mouth when he went to tie it. He thinks this is so funny. Very Vern humor. Yeah. <laughs> he kicked me right in the mouth. It's it was the funniest thing ever. That's so funny. Getting bleeding. Like, bleeding is funny. Why is that funny? <laughs> That's fucked up. Are you not supposed to be doing that? They've been of- talking the whole documentary about, you know, in 1930, they realized we got to make it fake yeah. because... These guys are going to get fucking hurt. Like fucking Abe Cashew over yeah, here. <laughs> Who the hell is he? Never heard of him. I don't know, but he kicked me in the face. Real journeyman. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, over to Vince McMahon now, who says there's a very fine line between hurting someone and not. Yeah, he's actually right about he's 100% that. 100% correct, yeah. And he says that's where this whole artistic aspect comes in. There's a very, very fine line between you actually kicking the bejesus out of somebody and not. We see clips of Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker in their Hell in a Cell match. Dusty chimes in now to say, in my day, the old time they literally kicked the crap out of you. Cool. It's not a good thing. No. I don't... What was with this, like, guys, like, in from Dusty's era, Hulk's era, like, when they came up, you know, in the late 60s, <laughs> early 70s, right? That's when they were trained. They're all like, oh, please beat me up. Like, they're, and they're like, that, that is all, the only right way to learn is to get your ass whooped. You want to be a wrestler? Okay, I'm going to shoot you with a gun. It's not good. It's not good. Yeah. Uh, Vern confirms, basically, that Dusty Rhodes is right. That, yeah, people will just kick the crap out of you. Anyway, we now profile Ricky Starr, who he used to do, I've heard of him, I don't care. He used to do ballet, did all this fancy feet work and wrestling, too. And this part, they spend way too much time like everything in this is like quick 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 and then this ballet thing is like for like three minutes straight and you're just like what what they clearly like i swear that they threw this they had they were gonna include footage of ricky star right but they knew a and e it needs to be x number minutes long they're like oh well we have this long old footage of him (laughs) dancing so let's just we're we're missing three minutes let's just like pat it it with this like i'm not even kidding you could be right about that steve allen now says real wrestling was becoming harder to find but did anyone miss it? No, nobody gave a shit. <laughs> it's real. <laughs> You're right. They didn't know they missed it. True. No, yeah. no one cared. No one knew. We now talk about interviews, which were an added dimension from television. We see Killer Kowalski yelling, The Crusher, Young Edition, by the way. And then we throw to whoever cutting some hideous promo from like 1950, whatever, the Barbarian Boys. <laughs> Just wearing underpants, by the way. I'm not even kidding. Horrible. They can't. They have their... Obviously, you know, foreign. And yeah. one of them's like, and he was beating him with muffle and the referee look at me. And his partner's just like, fuck it, and talks in his own language. He's just like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing this. Well, he was beating him. He was beating him already. And Murphy, when the referee uh, looked at me, the referee. And then Angelo Poffo is shown being interviewed. <laughs> but the announcer <laughs> calls him Bronco Lubick. And I don't even blame him. I don't even <laughs> fucking know who Angelo Poffo I'm Angelo Poffo, you mean. Yeah. Bronco's my manager. I'm Angelo Poffo. It's, it's funny. Bronco, you mean, Angelo, you mean Angelo Poffo, don't you? Yes, sir. Angelo Poffo is what you mean, not Bronco Lubick. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean Angelo Poffo. You're my manager, Angelo Poffo. Oh, Very yeah. glad to be back. I know some people, maybe they've watched wrestling since like the, the 70s or whatever when Angelo Poffo was big, but when I... Think of Angelo Poffo, I'm like, oh, Macho Man's dad. I don't care. Why well, didn't uh, Vince McMahon put my dad in the Hall of Fame? Exactly, because nobody knew who he was. <laughs> it's sa- it's sad to say, but like the more we watch, not he, that famous. He's not that big a deal. He was just a wrestler that yeah. had a more successful son. 
Exactly. Actually, two more successful sons, arguably. Aw, don't say the genius is more successful. Did he beat Hulk Hogan on Saturday Night's Main Event or not? And it's true. He beat Hulk Hogan. Absolutely. Uh, fake Andy Warhol says that the interviews now are the same as, uh, you know, they used to be, as we see, which they're not, by the way, as we see Hulk Hogan and then Alex Wright to, like, hammer home that point because he's foreign, I <laughs> Come guess. Come on, I don't... they really need to make, like, take a jab at Alex Wright I as, know. like, he's the bad interview. Yeah, like, come on. There's worse that why don't they show the Sid we're live pal or whatever? That's not a bad promo. He just didn't know. Never mind. But it's a better example. It's bad self-awareness. Yeah, it's a better example. Bob Slaughter now appears to say that uh, the interviews are like 70% of how you make your money as we cut to that. He would know that. He would know that as we cut to that Sean heel promo where he turned heel. The good one. After yeah, that, SummerSlam. That was 97. recapped on some recap show we covered recently. Yeah, that's a good promo from Sean. Mm-hmm. One of his few. Anyway, Bob Remus then, he's like... Right now, I'm not doing any of my Sergeant Slaughter character, right? It's really... <laughs> yep, showing off his Sergeant Slaughter voice. I like how he did that. He's like, hi. <laughs> Bob Slaughter's great. He's good. Except for that whole pretending to be in the military I thing. I understand. But other than that, he's fine. <laughs> he is fine. And you know what, folks? We hope you're doing fine as we have romped you through about half, give or take, of the unreal story of professional wrestling. Quinn, I think we take a break now. When we come back, though, there's more on this. And you know what? While we go to break... Why don't we hear from the one and only Ruben Vasquez Jr. More of the unreal story of professional wrestling on A&E is coming up right after this. Have you seen the well-to-do up and down Park Avenue on that famous thoroughfare with their noses in the air? Hey guys, this is Ruben Vasquez Jr. Also known as Mac Rivera's biggest fan and also the AWA's biggest fan. I just want to say congrats on 200 episodes to the greatest wrestling podcast ever. OVP has meant a lot to me throughout these 200 episodes. It always started my day, or started my week. And it also ended my week on a great note, whether it's through the regular, uh, uh, the regular podcast or the Patreon exclusive. So, anyway, thank you very much for making my my day and my week and i hope that you guys have 200 more uh episodes to go so and 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 many more after that uh i love it that you guys talk the old school stuff it makes me makes me uh uh, love love wrestling yeah so much so anywho uh congrats on 200 and i'll listen to you on the flip side, take care. And now back to our vantage point, the retro wrestling podcast. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to OVP 200 Part Two. Hope you've been enjoying this so far, and thank you, Ruby, for the very kind words in the break. There, Quinn, still with me? I'm here. And uh, why don't we get into now the balance of this here? Okay. As we're going to profile Killer Kowalski and find out that he got his name from <laughs> accidentally ripping off Yukon Eric's ear. Killer Kowalski was a heel. He got his name after an incident where he accidentally ripped off Yukon Eric's cauliflower ear. And then, to really make this documentary even more fun, mm-hmm. Gorilla Monsoon <laughs> chimes in and he's like, oh, I'm sure it was an accident. The gorilla all calmly just in his chair. Yeah, you know, Gorilla... He doesn't sound great or look great here, Quinn, no. in 97. This he's is still ar- got his wit, though. Oh, hell, he never yeah. lost it, I don't think. But this is around the time where he uh, stepped down as president, right. remember? And they brought in Slaughter. 
this is probably a nice little extra paycheck for Gorilla while yeah. he's recovering. Yeah. Because he probably thought I'll be fine. Because he kept announcing. Yeah. yeah exactly. Remember on, on the yeah. UK and stuff. But anyway, Gorilla has a great line. He's like, it happens. <laughs> yeah. It's all matter of fact. I love this line. Yeah, it's so Gorilla. It happens. Killer just made a mistake and came down and took half his ear off with his knee. It happens. <laughs> it's so good. Apparently, the ref put the ear in his pocket. That's pretty yeah. eerie. Thank you. Kowalski chimes in and say that the next week, people were throwing shit at him, and one of the things thrown at him was a pig's ear with Yukon Eric written on it. Gotta love wrestling, Quinn. That's disgusting. So they cut off a pig's ear? Or wait, what if it's just like they're saying pig's ear, but what if it's the dog treat pig's ear? <laughs> like, no, who the fuck is going to go cut a real pig's ear off and, and put it in the ring? A 1950s wrestling fan? Yeah, but what's more readily available, a dog treat or an actual pig's ear? Are we in Iowa? I don't know, but... We might be. I'm just saying. You could, to, how do you know they had pig's ears in the 50s or 60s? Because it's a very common pet thing. You had, Did you have a dog growing up? No, you know that. Oh, okay. So, when most... When Here your we dog, go. When your dog's young and they're, like, teething and you stuff like that... You didn't have a like dog that, either. You had a rat. Yeah, but she ate this like Man, you they, give them pig's ears it's like it's weird pig's ears because they will a dog if you're especially my parents used to do this when the dog was extra annoying would, <laughs> if you give a dog a pig's ear they disappear for like an hour until they like gnaw and chew the whole thing and swallow all of it if you give a mouse a cookie chances yeah. are he'll want a glass of milk yeah yeah it's no a, it's a way to get them to like go away but mandy was like as big as the pig's ear yeah, well, no, that's why it took her extra long. So it was really awesome. You, you, she'd like disappear for like an hour and a half. She was like seven pounds. Yeah, you know, but she could eight she could, inches long. She could destroy a pig's ear bigger than her head. <laughs> that's for sure. She was very yippy. Yeah, she was a yippy doggy. Anyway, Killer says that uh, you know I used to be a face, but people booed me anyway because I was big. You know what? Fuck it, I'm gonna be a heel. Mm-hmm. I like that. He's like, well, fuck it. Yeah. Uh, Vern Vern puts over Killer Kowalski. By the way, as we now cut to a profile on Hans Schmidt, who played up his alleged German heritage in the post-war era. Andy mm-hmm. asshole over here <laughs> says, uh, yeah, he was good or whatever. Claire Kowalski then breaks kayfabe to mention that Hans Schmidt was actually a French Canadian. Oh, I didn't even hear that. It, all yeah. the, there were so many things flashing by. <laughs> yeah. All I was thinking of was like, wow, they really got a Nazi for this. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, by the way, this guy is all bald and shitty looking, by the way. Oh, yeah. Hans Schmidt. Cut to Fred ba- Blassi, who's like, yeah, I was a face. But I didn't care about the fans, so I just decided to be an asshole Basically, anyway. Basically, fuck the fans. And you know what the funny thing is? He's from a time long ago enough where I could see he just literally decided he was going to be a heel because he just <laughs> didn't like people. Yeah. Like, and they're just like, okay. Like, you know what I mean? Because right. you, you just do whatever you want. Yeah, that's what you want to do, Freddy. Yep. Now, Blasi says he was cut and stabbed 21 times. He had acid thrown on him. He had his new Lincoln convertible set on fire in San Bernardino. Okay, first of all, I was just like, what? When he said I had acid thrown on me. Yeah. Like, wouldn't you be dead? Acid? Maybe thrown near him. That's crazy. <laughs> anyway, he said uh, pencil net geek a lot, Quinn. And then he claims others stole it? No. no nobody's like, ever said that other than him. And if they do... Does he sound... That sounds like an old man. Yeah. Thing. And people that say it said in tribute to him. Right. Like not claiming it for their own. You it's know what I mean? Like it's not like it's said so much. It's like Shawn Michaels in the 90s. You know, pencil neck geeky. <laughs> like, it's not like he was saying that. God's green earth. Yeah. Uh, he That's had, what he was saying. He had instead. news for you. Yeah. That's right. Cut to a bunch of women, you know, like Sable, Sonny, Marlena, China, Mula, Richter, Deborah, Jackie. Steve Allen says that women's wrestling started around the 1920s. May Young says when she broke in, there were like three female wrestlers. Well, yeah. I mean, she was probably around in the 20s. So One of them was Betsy Ross. Yeah. Uh, anyway, 
She says Billy Wolf, and that's how she says it. Billy Wolf. Billy Wolf. Used to say Mildred Burke was the toughest woman that ever lived and blah, blah, blah. Those are her words, literally, and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Mildred Burke is the toughest woman that ever lived and blah, blah, blah. And Billy Wolf would pay $100 to the toughest guy who could beat Mildred, but no one ever did. So Mildred Burke was the champion from 1937 until 1954. Jeez. And she, yeah, I know. And she retired undefeated. Then in 1956, a tournament was held where Lillian Ellison won. And then we get shots of Moolah looking like 1969 Judy Garland, which is not a compliment. I thought he might want some jazz singing. She started as a valet to Buddy Rogers and then the Elephant Boy. And I was known as Slave Girl Moolah. Of course, that's this old tired story. And I'm a slave girl, Moolah. <laughs> Every time. Everything uh, you ever see her in when she's like 100 or whatever, uh, it's like, you know, I was slave girl Moolah. Did you know that? Did, did you know? It's like her big, like, fun fact that she likes to throw out in every interview. That that was her name? Yeah. Cool. Modern Moolah now chimes in and says she used to dress like Jane from Tarzan and wear sandals. I had all the, like, the sandals from the movies. <laughs> like, she said, that's how she talks. Like, from the talkies? Yeah. <laughs> from the moving pictures? Y'all look like Jane from the movies. That's <laughs> what she says. It's all real. She says the name Moolah came from her manager, Jack Pfeffer. Wait, isn't he the one that... Said wrestling was fake or whatever? Or is it a different guy? Oh, wait, was it the same guy? <laughs> is it? I wouldn't That'd even be, even be funnier. I wouldn't even be fucking surprised. These people never go away <laughs> in this business. She said. So didn't bring up. What's that fucking old man that always like comes up in WCW? Like he was like one, he was like a promoter or something. Jim Barnett. Jim Barnett. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, when, when was this guy from the Stone Age? What did he book the cave paintings? Until the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> he was around forever. Like, every time I'd see, see Barnett, I'd be like, this guy is so old. <laughs> he is. So anyway, she told him that she wanted to make the money. The moolah. And he's like, well, you're fabulous. Great. Anyway, Hulk moolah over here says she's still the champion. She's never been beaten for it. Okay, first of all, she's old as fuck here. <laughs> yeah. Second of all, Sherry beat her like 10 years ago by this point. Like, what is she talking about? <laughs> That's true. It was 87. Yeah. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's on video. Yeah. Remember, she's like the big face too, Sherry? Well, everyone's like, I'm tired of this. Like, she's been the champion since like the 50s. Like, are we really doing this? I love President Eisenhower. Yeah, like, seriously. <laughs> knock it off. Anyway, she was- Get a away from me. <laughs> Get away from me. She was the 13th of 13 children, the only girl. She had to beat the fuck out of her brothers or whatever. I don't care. I had to keep up with them. Like, she says this. But her mom died when she was only eight years old. So her dad started taking her to the wrestling when she was nine. She loved it. And Mula says, you know, I'm really nice outside the ring as we- what? See, see a shot of her and Mae Young. <laughs> Mae Young's just like Rose Island, by the way, like outside their fucking this South Carolina the, the, house. This is the they're like them by the lake, and they're yes. like they just they're like smiling so that you think they're like the Golden Girls or something. It's like, real. It, it, it's this like stock shot of them in like pantsuits, and you're just like practically. I can hear the like seriously like it's it's seriously like the golden girl shot it is though of them just like hanging about now didn't they live together for like 30 years or something yeah but to be fair if you saw the moolah like documentary about how like everyone hated her or whatever like moolah like had like a camp or whatever and she lived with all her lady wrestlers forever and i'm pretty sure may just was like the last one to come live with her because she was retired too and they just figured we'll just me and moolah will like hang out at this ranch that none of these women wrestlers come to anymore maybe may lived with her because may knew she could fuck her up and yeah. she couldn't you know what i mean yeah maybe it's <laughs> May's like, like i'll it, fucking it, kick it, your ass moolah like i taught you moolah yeah like, get the fuck out of here 
<laughs> Mae Young is so much older than her. I like, know. it's insane. She's great. She's like 20 years older than her. Like, how old is she? She's amazing. I don't know, but she's so good. Anyway, Steve Allen says that these days, female wrestling is on the wane. Just wait, Steve. But the ladies are still there to do some shit. Anyway, by the late 50s, westerns and variety shows replaced wrestling on TV, and the promoters who remembered wrestling before TV, they know how much you need it to be successful. So now, Quinn, it came down to the local stations. Vern confirms. Yep, he would know. Yeah. So a lot of territories got established or maybe reestablished. Gorilla says, you know, there had to be a lot more activity, a lot more action, because the fans want excitement right now. Well, that clearly wasn't happening in the 70s. They didn't watch this shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Shot of Haystacks Calhoun just sitting on somebody to exemplify this. <laughs> all sorts of ruddy 70s yeah. footage. It's like all shitty. It's all bad. To me, like, anytime they show the 70s, it's like, if it looks like shit and yeah. it's in color, it's the 70s. It's true, though. It's yeah. always bad. The WWF especially. And it's not even, to me, it's just a thing with 70s footage from anything in general. Why does it look so bad? Like, comparatively to anything ever. Like any other, even the 80s looks better. The 60s look better, too. Yeah, because it's black and white and it's like timeless. But, yeah. Uh, it's just so frustrating how bad 70s footage looks. What were they fucking like doing with the camera co- like technology back then? Did they think it looked good? Like, I think the color standard was shitty or something. Like that's always been my theory is that just like, because that, that was something they actually agree on was the color standard. True. I think it was just crappy. It's possible. Yeah, and they, did, they didn't figure it out because color TV was like newish in the 70s. And like yeah, it was. figure it out to like the early 80s. And then everything like immediately looks better after like 1982 or something. It's like it's real. It's true. Yeah. Anyway, we see Gorilla Monsoon getting introduced in like 1969, I want to guess. As Gorilla says, this was the era of the super heavyweight. And at one point in his career... He got as high as 440. <laughs> 440. I, like, I can't believe he brought that up in this. At one point in my career, I, I got as high as 440. I like love, famous line. I love that that what made was an the appearance. the heaviest you ever were, Gorilla? 440. 440. Uh, this was because promoters believe they'd rather see the big bodies flying through the air. As we see a clip of Gorilla doing like a big splash on like six people in a battle royal yeah. or something. You know what I mean? He was an agile big man, though, Gorilla. It's true. You ever he see like, him move? He was like the Bam Bam of his day. He was good. Uh, Steve Allen then segues to say that when the fans got tired of the big bodies, they went for the small bodies. Uh, they went we, in that order, right? It's like yeah. the, the fat guys came, then the midgets. Then right? the midgets, yeah. As we cut to the midget wrestling under fake Benny Hill music, by the way. <laughs> I couldn't believe it was a fake version. <laughs> it was very like, stock. Isn't, that, isn't Benny Hill music stock in the first place? I don't place? know. Like, I thought that, that's why it's used everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I, thought that, I literally thought that song was public domain. I don't. Yeah, I thought it was too. Yeah. Freddie Blassie says that, yeah, the midgets were very popular. So he brought them in a few times a year. They would sell out. But after a while, people got tired of it. He uses an example of if you eat steak every night, you might get tired of steak. Right. I get it. Uh, Steve Allen confirms that TV has reinvented wrestling as entertainment, not real shit. They wanted mayhem. Fans wanted that stuff, man. Kowalski agrees. He's like, yeah, it's a lot better that way with the baseball bats, hanging people, (laughs) chairs. He says this. Killer Kowalski says the bottom line is money. More like, money. Shots of mankind falling through a table. Luthez uh, says the real wrestlers didn't do any of that because they didn't need to. Steve Allen says that the sports writers invented the name for this new style, wrestling. I thought that was for Southern style. So did I. Yeah. So did I. I don't know. This might not be true. Who knows? I mean, <laughs> not it's all on, of this it's is true. A&E. <laughs> Truth tellers over here. King and his stupid hair. Say the fans relate more to their favorite wrestlers' emotional feelings, whatever they do. 
whether they win or lose a match. And he it's says, true. yeah, he says there's a lot of good wrestlers that suck ass at talking. He's right. And then we cut to Sting grabbing J.J. Dillon by the tie, which made me laugh. What does laugh. that have to do with this? I don't know. It's a weird clip. It was. Gene Kaniski says that, uh, you know, my personality sucked. He kind of admit. <laughs> Gene Kaniski, I suck at talking. I fucking was horrible, but I could beat the shit out of people. That's pretty That's much. basically what he says. He's basically like, I wasn't good, so I just did my best in the ring to give fans their $10 value. Right. I like that about him, though. He's like, yeah, I wasn't that good. Admittedly <laughs> terrible on the mic. <laughs> Steve Allen says, well, hey. If the outcome didn't matter, then what was the point? There had to be something at stake. Well, he says wrestling was not about the athletic competition and the championship titles. It was a passion play depicting the never-ending conflict between good and evil as Leon White. <laughs> that's right. Real estate developer. Yes, real. He It actually does say Leon White on the crime. It does. There. Yeah. It's no. very good. He's like, yeah, it's a struggle in society. People sell drugs and they murder and people want to see them put down. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> it's like. For all time. Yep. Jeff Jarrett again says, the greatest evil can only be great if you have a great good. He's not worth listening to. Ain't I great? Horrible. <laughs> anyway, clip of Lou Albano and the Samoans, then the Sheik and Volkov. This segues, of course, into the Cold War era villains. That's right. King says, after the Iran hostage crisis, here comes the freaking Iron Sheik. Okay, first of all, they say Cold War before, and I understand that this took place in the Cold War. Yes, but it did. Not that much to do with the Cold War. So no, it doesn't. I'm it's just, just the era. Yeah. The era, more than anything. Now, Sergeant Slaughter was the one to come against this Iron Sheik, and people loved it. This shit was over as fuck. Holy and by the shit. way, we should be coming up to that soon. Real soon. Like, very soon. Yeah. Uh, no, 1983 canon. 1983 canon. So we get a clip of their big MSG match. Dick Kroll is the referee, by the way. King says this was great because it mirrored real life. You know, you did have Iran hostage crisis. You it's did have real. a patriot. Yeah. Now, it had been over since the beginning of Reagan, so they were like two years late, but I'm just saying. As typical for Vince. Yeah. Unfortunately, Del Wilkes now chimes in to blabber about how wrestling is a reflection of society on the Patriot. Personally, I don't remember undead zombie wizards being threats to our society, but hey, I'm only 34. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's true. It's a little bit of a stretch when they say shit like that. Yeah. Anyway, cut to Austin stunning Vince in MSG. The Patriot says that kids like to be that way. Well, that's nice. Austin, who is this? Why fucking, is a patriot on fucking here? loser? Get out of here! He was nobody. Horrible. Wasn't he good in Japan or something? Yeah. Who cares? Exactly. Though? Who cares? At the end of the day, like you know what the sad part is about Japanese wrestling to me It's like I feel like they had a really good moment in the last like ten years or so where like they could have really become like much bigger, yeah. and I feel like they blew it. Like you just think? on an aside, like because like they had all this history and they could have like done a better job getting like a more American thing going on, like a show and everything. And they just, they did do a show, but it was like always like delayed and all Remember, this nonsense. Well, and a few times they had JR on there doing commentary, like horrible. That was just at the beginning and they knew they fucked up when they, even they knew they like immediately got rid of him after this like two shows. Reminds me of Bruiser Brody. Yeah. He might be more familiar to you as Bruiser Brody. He also reminds me of Dr. Death. Yeah. And he also might remind me of Bruiser Brody. Maybe Terry Gordy, but it's, I think Bruiser Brody. It's incredible. It was horrible. And uh, Shinsuke Nakamura reminds me of Freddie Mercury. <laughs> <laughs> like 50 times. Like Nakamura, uh, you know, he's just very Freddie Mercury-like. Like constantly. <laughs> Nobody even remembers that or brings that up anymore. Like anytime I think of Shinsuke Nakamura, I just think of JR's uh, a Freddie Mercury-esque wrestler. <laughs> Remember that wrestler, Freddie Mercury? Yeah, he was a great, he's <laughs> he's a great one. He's a wrestler. <sighs> anyway, Austin appears now. 
to say people like him because it's the 90s. And he's st- he's like in character, clearly. He's, he's being also stone cold. wrong. No, he's not <laughs> yeah. wrong. But he's being stone cold, yeah. just for the record. He's like, I was originally a bad guy. People started liking me. I don't care to the fans, but that's why they like me. And because he's hilarious. He's so fucking good during God, this time. During the, like, 97, Steve Austin is not only like, such a badass. He's also fucking so funny. The facial expressions when he would just be like, "Are, <laughs> are you fucking talking to me right oh, now?" Like, God, he was like, good. What that one where like I still love that one where the it sucks comes from where like Vince is just he's not even like yelling at him even yet. Yeah, he yells at him later in the promo. Vince does, but like he's just like annoying Austin, and he's got this just face of just like this fucking guy. Like, <laughs> like, and it's just one of my favorite, like, wrestling like expressions I've ever seen on a wrestler's face. Do you think he lost some of that uniqueness when he became a face in 98 Yeah, because and all it's that? like, there was like almost a sarcasticness about him yeah. that, like, I couldn't pinpoint, but this just, like, this fucking company sucks, like, yeah. like on his face, like... You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like the character. Yeah, the character. It. Yeah, it's ama- It's pretty cool. It really is. Yeah. Uh, speaking of cool, Shawn Michaels chimes in wearing a velvet vest. I thought it was like leather. It wasn't velvet? It looks suede, like, it maybe. It like brown. It's, it's yeah. really bad. And uh, he says, uh, yeah, nowadays the fans determine who's the good guy and who's the bad guy, not the promoter. I'm not sure if that's a good thing or not. No, but no. Okay. No, no. Clip of the Undertaker killing him in the Hell in a Cell. As now Dr. Gerald Dickface or whoever brings up how if you shake hands with Tom Cruise... That's Tom Cruise. It's not Jerry Maguire. This weird nerd. What <laughs> is this? But if you shake hands with Ric Flair, that's Ric Flair. Good point, actually, except maybe that's just what they want well, you to think. here's the deal, though. You know what I mean? It's it's funny that specifically pick Ric Flair, because Ric Flair is actually Ric Flair outside the ring. That's not like, a that's, good thing. That's what the whole documentary about him is about, is that, that's true. like, what is wrong with this guy? Like, why does he act like this, like, not when he's wrestling? <laughs> why does he act like, why are you like this? Yeah. And he says this helps with the suspension of disbelief. Vin says it's like a good Broadway play. I guess Mark Teixeira yeah, will be a fan. <laughs> that's also something just Vince would say, too. It's like, like, we're like Broadway. He's so desperate to be accepted as like general yeah. entertainment. It's Everyone's like, like, no, you're fucking wrestling. It's fucking wrestling. Just deal with just it, pal. Just be wrestling. Yeah, just let it go. <laughs> Seriously. Shot of the Undertaker slamming mankind into a grave. Yeah, just like on Broadway. <laughs> Cut to the wolf pack. By that, I mean Hall, Nash, and X-Pac. Yeah. Or, or six. six. In yes. an empty arena. Nash is like, oh, you go out there to have people believe that what you're doing is real. And this is before the finger poke, <laughs> the by the way. most Nash-esque explanation of, like, his business. <laughs> I don't fucking care. You uh, just, just, we pretend that it's real. Uh, did, you, did you bring beer for the car ride? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that shit. Hey, Scott, you got some beer? Uh, yeah. He's so, like, chill. I like that about it. He's very business about I, it. The one thing I will say about Nash, and everyone gets on this case because he, you know, obviously his stint as the booker in the late 90s or whatever. Well, and it I wasn't good. It wasn't good, but that's what always everyone seems to, like, be so angry and mad about that, it. Yes. But honestly, Nash seems like was the coolest fucking yep. guy to be on the car rides with. Like, yeah. Because not only was he not an idiot, he was like pretty smart. Very smart. But on, on top of it, he seemed like a genuinely like nice person to hang out with. Been with his wife this entire time, never he, was unfaithful. Yeah, he just seems like a legit awesome dude. Never had a drug problem. Never had issues. Never like, had a yeah. scandal. Exactly. Um, not a great wrestler. Knows he's not a great wrestler. He's probably wrestler. somebody like I can imagine, like, for example, like Undertaker probably liked I think they liked each other, yeah. They seem exactly the same kind of personality. Well, because like, Taker's very, like, all business. business. Yeah, yeah, like, all business. Like, him and Nash probably got along great. No, I think they did. Yeah. No, I think they were friendly with each other. Yeah. 
even though the alleged like click versus BSK, but that wasn't a rivalry. It was just two different things. It was just two different like groups. That's of people all that it was. Out a yes. Lot. Anyway, we cut to a profile now on Andre the Giant. Hey, Steve Allen says that uh, Andre had no problem getting over. That's the second time he fucking said that. Steve, mm-hmm. stop it. We say allegedly that he was seven foot four and that he had more teeth than we. T- Is that real? That's what that's, he said. That's not real. He also had 114 beers one time. That's absurd. Uh, and I right. thought it was like a box of wine or some shit. Like, what, it wasn't hey, 700 beers or whatever. I had all the beers. I had every single one of them. I tried this one, Bill. They're all good. They say that all the time, like, that's such a feat or whatever, but they never, they always seem to forget the fact that it's because it didn't even make him drunk because he was so big. Didn't Wade Boggs do it, too? What? <laughs> Drink that many beers. I don't know. I'm, I what? think he did one time. No, it's real. Yeah, but he would have been wasted. He drank like 100 Miller Lights or something on a plane. Well, would I make how that long up? was the plane ride? Long enough. Yeah. Weed box is good. must have had to piss a lot after that. Holy shit. Remember when after Kirk- like two, I'm like pissing like a <laughs> yeah, but crazy. You, you're infamous for that. Remember I, when we were at this bachelor party in New York and he, yeah. you were the one? I was the one that held up everyone because I just, I was like, I can't, we cannot move. And then like, you know how like when you're in New York City and they won't let you pay anywhere? Like, what kind of place is this? <laughs> That's like one of my biggest pet peeves about New York City is that you need to like know a guy to yes. take a piss. Like, it's like, <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. I think you finally wound up in some Starbucks or yeah, something. Yeah, but I had to wait in a line for like 20 minutes. Yeah, it was a very like. I fa- I just jumped in there thinking, oh, I'll just run in, r- run in, run out. There, yeah. You know, there's Starbucks everywhere. I'll just <laughs> yeah. use them as my bathrooms as like I'm getting rid of this beer. <laughs> Can't even do that. So yeah, so for Wade Boggs to do it, I mean, I want verification on this. If anyone wants to look into both the Andre the Giant and Wade Boggs stories about the over 100 beers each that they have drank, I'd like to know more information. But anyway, Andre was nice, but if he was annoyed, fuck you. He once overturned a car or something. What? Do you think that's real? No, I think I've actually legitimately heard what the hell happened. What happened? Basically, they were like in a traffic jam, but it's like in like Europe or something where the cars are smaller. Okay. And Andre just is like, fucking move. Yeah, like, move. Yeah, and he, and he just picked the fucking car up and like turned on its side and they like drove away. For real? Yeah. He was okay. probably like cranky or something. I don't know. <laughs> Gorilla says uh, that Andre was maybe the most beloved individual in the sport as we cut to a clip of Andre standing next to Vince on a box. Where Remember that? Kramer suit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that fucking Andre in a box clip. It's why just did like, they, why, why was that even necessary? Because we've like, seen oh, him. we got to make Vince look even more like a midget. What was the fucking point of that? In all seriousness, he already was way taller yeah, than him. It didn't accomplish anything. Yeah. Anyway, Gorilla says uh, that Andre was hard to wrestle because you never knew what kind of temperament he'd be in. Yeah, Gorilla was like, oh, he didn't know how strong he was or yeah, something. He didn't know how strong. He how was. did he not? He'd been doing this for like thirty years yeah. by that point. But you catch on. Yeah. Gorilla says, you know, I'm 6'6". Right now, I'm about 300 pounds. But Andre made me look like a midget. Uh, Steve Allen says that Andre was literally and figuratively the biggest thing in wrestling as the 70s turned into the 80s. As we cut to Vince McMahon Sr. in a hat and a few other promoters I didn't recognize. But see, the status quo changed when Vince McMahon Jr. bought the company from his dad. And he thinks his dad had the best formula. Did he see the WWF before he owned it? It sucked ass compared to the other territories. It did. This is real. We covered this. The TV did anyway. It was awful. They did good business though. Of course they did. did But they're also in the biggest market where they're the only wrestling. And they only ran the garden once a month. Right. That's to me, it's like deceptive. If your territory is New York City, of course you're going to attract more people than anyone. It's the biggest city in the country. True. And if you only run your arena once a month instead of every week. Yeah, people are going to pack it. Yep. But good formula, though. 
to Vince to Vince Junior's credit, good formula. Yeah, but it wasn't good. The TV was yeah, it's it's oh it's god. Awful. If you compare WWF or WWF TV to anything going on down south, literally anything the NWA was doing, yeah. even Vern, yeah, or world class, everyone's better. And yeah. I'm not saying like Grand Prix and like little ring. Remember dinks. how bad it was where it looked like they hadn't bought a new ring since the show started yes. in 1982. <laughs> like, I'm not even joking. Like, it's and, all falling apart. <laughs> like, it's real. It's, it, no, with the shitty blue Ropes mat. are barely held up. It was bad. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, Vince uh, wanted to take this successful formula that his dad used, but do it on a worldwide basis. Well, he fucking did that part. I'll give him that. That's true. Now, Vince says his dad knew what the business was about, which was and is about entertainment. I cannot argue that. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone else has agreed. Luthez agrees. I agree. If Luthez says so, I'm, I'm okay with it. That's right. Steve Allen says Vince McMahon used videotape to help expand his territory but recording his shows and then shipping them in TV stations across the country. Vince says his dad never, ever would have sold him the business if he knew this would happen. You know that old story. Yeah, he, he said, Vinny, what are you doing? Yeah. You know? <laughs> Why up at the bottom of the river? You know, the old-timey promoters bitched about what Vince Jr. did. Vern agrees. You know, videotape was great. Yeah, but the AWO was crappy during this time. <laughs> Good so point. You could send the tapes out. Who wants to fucking air them? <laughs> like, I want to watch Brad Rankin's matches oh. in fucking Oklahoma. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, when I can get NWA. I want to see my son Greg with yeah. the Ghani sleeper. Ugh. Anyway, Eric Bischoff says, God bless cable television. Eric Bischoff beard edition, by the way. Like, very, like, NWO yep. Bischoff with the leather coat and everything. Very 97. Like, just in character. Yep. Hogan says the whole business became smarter. It was about the re-education of the public. It was three hours, not just a 15-second Mike Tyson fight. Vince says uh, <laughs> that he was the first to say this isn't a fucking sport. It's entertainment. It's sports entertainment. He always brags when he says Every time, he's like, I was the first say it was fake even though they told us that fucking guy yeah and but, other people yeah, i'm sure said it in like the 40s I, I i was the first one to say rustling is fake like, like good no, for you you and, didn't but no anyway the patriot now chimes in again to say that vince is good only because he was working there when this i'm sure he fucking hated him once he was fired <laughs> fuck vince mcmahon you know wasn't he one of those people probably <laughs> fuck him i swear i heard a sh- uh, shoot interview where he was yeah, just shit like interview. Yeah, he sucks ass you know that's one thing where these people come to the wwf and they have pre-existing fucking drug addictions and things like that mm-hmm. and they act like they were gonna be something even though they probably weren't promised that shut up yeah did he see himself on tv he was nobody. Did he ever watch this back? You have this gritty ass, like Austin Hart Foundation, great storyline. Yeah. And it's like, I'm the Patriot. Yeah, like, get it, the fuck out of you from 1981. It wasn't good. Leave. You know what? They probably made him the Patriot because <sighs> he already was the Patriot. Just, Quinn. I'm just gonna say this right now. What? He looks like fucking um, Lafon or something. No, no, Quinn. He was always the Patriot. I know. I know. From but, the WCW was, and, but and sometimes Japan. Sometimes he didn't have a mask in WCW. No, he always had the mask. You don't take the mask off. I thought he did. Don't you know the rules? I thought the mask came later. No! Then why did he wrestle in WF without the mask sometimes? He always had the... What are you talking about? Didn't he? No. Didn't Del Wilkes as Del Wilkes just wrestle? No! This happened. It didn't happen. Okay. Maybe an interview, but not a... Oh, this is Dale Wilkes. He played football, university, you know, right one of those. Right to Ogden, Utah, if you swear that Del Wilkes wrestled without the mask at certain points in WF. No, he didn't, but okay, right anyway. Tell Quinn that he's not right. Maybe it's like a Streisand effect or whatever it's called. What is that again? I, no, that's something else. Sorry. You always say that Mandela, I, but sorry, what's I, the Streisand effect? I can't figure this out. Okay. I, I swear I've heard Streisand effect before. No, it's real. Before. It's, it's a thing. 
Anyway, Steve Allen says that Vince McMahon was able to make a product that was attractive to advertisers. Vern now bitches about how Vince picked a bunch of talent from different territories, especially Hogan. Bro, it was your own fault. <laughs> like, he's the one that fucked up the Hogan thing. I want your merchandise money. I want all I want your, your Japan, Japan money. Like, all of it. Like, what? Uh, look, I do not doubt for one second that Vince McMahon was not just being nice when he went around and tried to get all these wrestlers. But at the same time, like, oh, man, he'll pay people more money than they yeah. make now. Oh, what an asshole. You know yeah. what I'm saying? He'll let them keep their uh, uh, cut of their merchandise <laughs> yeah. money. Wow. Let them keep back then their name. Why would they work for this guy that gets 100% of their merchandise money? Exactly. So, yeah. again, I know Vince is doing it for himself. It's right. not to be nice. No I'm wonder everyone. Hogan probably told everyone in the AWA, hey, he's going to pay you for, like, all these shirts. Yeah. Because the AWA was notably, like, starting to sell all their shirts and stuff right. on the show. Yeah, their like, shirts. Like, they show the clip of everyone modeling their, their shirts. <laughs> but, like, if you think about it, if that was around in AWA before they went to Vince and they all fucking left, they saw the writing on the They said, oh, we can get paid for this and we won't just have to stand here like right. assholes so Vern can make a bunch of money. Yeah, that's the one thing. I mean, yeah, look, you, know? you say what you want about Vince and it's probably all justified, but he didn't point a gun at the wrestlers and say, sign with me for free. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? They're like, Gene, I'll pay you more money. You want to yeah. come over here? Why did they go to him? Right. That, that's the point I'm trying to make. That's right. all. Anyway, we cut to Hogan's entrance at WrestleMania 3, you know, with Bob Uecker. Hulk! Hogan! All glorious. <laughs> Hogan. 93,000 fans. Blah, blah, blah. Actually, it was 78,000 fans. Mm -hmm. uh, Dusty says that Hogan changed the wrestling world. No doubt about it. Kowalski says that Hogan had something other wrestlers didn't. Charisma. <laughs> the good point. Uh, Gorilla oh. says he had tremendous drawing ability and tremendous charisma and character. But ability-wise, I'm not sure he knew the difference between a wrist lock and a wristwatch. Now, those are strong words. Like, what? Ability-wise, uh, I'm not sure that he knew the difference between a wrist lock and a wristwatch. I don't know, though, that that's very fair to Hogan. Yeah, I, I think it's just Gorilla saying the company line that's about all Hogan at the, at the time. Because Hogan could, We everyone knows this, Yeah, he could wrestle, he just didn't need to. That's just more um, um, a testament to Gorilla's loyalty to the company that he was for with his whole life. Yeah, exactly, you know what I mean? that's all it is. Uh, Vince says that his dad actually gave Hogan his name, which is true, as far as I know, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, the Giant wanders in. That's Paul White, I mean. Yes, big show. Big show. I love wrestling Hogan. Luthez says that Hogan's a non-wrestler. <laughs> Gives him a 9 or 10 for marketing. This is okay. the most honest assessment of Hulk Hogan I've ever heard. But a 1 or a 0 for wrestling? <laughs> Damn. Luthez says his grandmother could do a better leg drop. And how old is she? 150? <laughs> like, what the hell? Like, Lou's already, like, 80 here. Yeah, something like that. Holy shit. Dandy Warhol over here calls Hogan the classic good guy and says that there's not too much about him you can hate. I guess he missed 93 to 95. Awful. God. Awful. <laughs> there's nothing to like about Hogan I'm gonna in that. sniff your underpants, Hulk Hogan. Yeah, Hulkster, baby! You know, brother, I'm the, the coolest Japs, brother. <laughs> fucking guy around and everyone sucks. Like, that's like how he is. Fuck the multi-million dollar yeah. man, brother. <laughs> Fuck Zodiac. Fuck Kevin Sullivan. Yay. Fuck Macho Man. Yeah. Anyway, Hogan himself says that he was a major wrestling fan, and his dad took him to the Tampa Armory to watch wrestling. Mm -hmm. His first training session resulted in a broken leg. What a nice business. 
again with that. Like, I, I don't know why everyone's bragging. Like, anybody from that very particular era, like, oh, yeah, it was so good that they beat us up and, like, injured us. <laughs> Thanks, Hero So Matsuda. we can't make money for six months. Yeah. Like, what? You know, it was Hero, right? That trained Hogan? Yeah. Hogan realized, though, that if he really played to the crowd, that's going to be better instead of just doing moves. What was he thinking of that when he was sitting on his bed while his leg was broken? I mean, he's right, but, like... <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. I know. I'm just thinking of the timeline here. He says people like being worked and they like being involved. He's he's not wrong about that. Mm-hmm. Now we cut to the first Hogan Savage handshake for fun. Then we now talk about the second golden age and the climax of it. WrestleMania 3, Hogan versus Andre head to head for the title. Sheldon Goldberg again pops in. Whoever this nerd is. He's like, like, who is that guy? Wrestling became a major entertainment player with this event on par with the NFL. No, just no. Like, that's not it never the did. NFL. It never did. It's one thing to say maybe, I don't know boxing or something like women's boxing yeah i don't it was never as big as a tyson heavyweight well, it, fight i wouldn't think not as big as as the biggest boxing but also like it's bigger than boxing is now like boxing then is, is so, bigger than boxing is now yes probably boxing now Maybe. nobody even knows who's boxing anymore the russian guy yeah is he Ru- still the champion I, wasn't that like i think he lost years it to ago? some British guy recently. Didn't like the Russian guy's brother also win the title? Yeah, Isn't so this like, all yeah, real? after that Russian guy lost, his brother went, and I'll take it now. It's real, right? <sighs> that, that, like, <laughs> grip by the Russians on the World Heavyweight title were, like, like from my understanding, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, boxing fans, but Tony I, like I swear there was, like, a period where they just wouldn't fight Americans or something, so they just, like, fucking monopolize the belt. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't like, know about that. They couldn't get it out of there. I don't know about like, that. Uh, but I do know this. Hulk Hogan says that Andre was in a lot of pain at WrestleMania 3, and he died shortly after this event. He was in big trouble, and, you know, the clock was ticking down. He died shortly after that, so. Please stop. <laughs> this is so absurd. <laughs> I hate this that. feeds into the other thing with the boots. Yeah, there's like, another, uh, like, the he's MTV saying it thing. already we here. Even, we can't even review that because it's like three seconds long. Yeah. Yeah, but that's the one where he's like, he died a few days later yeah, or whatever. Like, I leg dropped him and then he died like three days later. And what? you're like, as there's like rock music. And he's like, true story. It's like, shut up. And then Brooke Hogan's like, my dad's cool. Like, oh, like remember that? It's just, it's Ugh. like very like late nineties MTV. What a doofus family. Those. <laughs> Seriously. Look at my doofus. house. This is a Hulk Hogan room. Look at this room, brother. Here's my friend, Brian. Nobs. I got every toy ever of Hulk Hogan. Ugh. Nick's going to, like, fucking show you the living room now. Nick's going to kill a man, brother. Anyway, Steve Allen says that for 15 years, Andre ruled the wrestling world. That's not even really true. He was just there. for 15 years. Shut up. And he agreed to lose the title to Hogan that night. He didn't have the title. He wasn't the champion. Uh, Anyway, that BS story about how no one knew for sure if Andre would lose is told. That's not true, by the way. I thought it is. No, it's not true that no one knew if Andre would lose. No, not that no one knew, but that, like... In real life, wasn't Hogan legitimately afraid the, somebody had to go like talk yes, to him or something? That's what's true is that yeah. Hogan was like slightly concerned, and Vince is like, "No, it's fine." Yeah, no, Andre was gonna lose. Like he's but not Andre. A- <laughs> I thought the whole thing Andre was sort of fucking with him too because he might have fucked with Hogan because he wouldn't tell him like that he was gonna like we'll what happens, yeah he kept you know? doing that and Hogan was like freaking out the night before. But that was it though. I mean, yeah. Andre was clearly gonna lose, and right. Vince is like, you know, I knew Andre was fine. Hogan says this was the most unbelievable moment in his life. As we see a clip of the body slam, the leg drop, the finish, and every time I hear this, I just gotta say, damn, Gorilla and Jesse are yes, good at they this were. event. Aren't they? It's like one of their crowning achievements. Oh, they're so event. good at that event. Yep. Anyway, Steve Allen says that Hogan 
brought wrestling more mainstream attractions since Frank Gotch. It wasn't that long. Come on, get out of here. Yeah, didn't they just talk about the TV era? Yeah. With Gorgeous George. Gorgeous George. <laughs> Even Ric Flair was like, sell- no. I'm just saying. No. In the early 80s, Ric Flair was doing good television and arena business. Mainstream attraction. Well, because I'm just saying was in the South, MTV? like, I mean, they were selling out the fucking Georgia Dome and shit. Was he on? That's not mainstream. That's a wrestling stream. I, I Don't understand. you get it? No, I get the mainstream part. I'm just saying that like other people were drawing very large crowds. That's and, not what they said, and though. Doing good I, you're on just TV. bringing up a random fact. Well, carrots are orange too. While we're at the it, the same. Ric Flair was good. Various 1997 clips of WWF and ECW are shown for fun. And then randomly some Honky Tonk Man shit from 1987. What was that, I by the way? Yeah, they're like, look at the, look at the stars of today. And it's like it's like showing all this attitude there. And then Honky Tonk Man from like the 80s. What the fuck was that? Now, listen, on the, on the flip side, no. I appreciate Honky Tonk Man getting his due. Obviously, mm. a wrestling legend. It's dippity do. And... and, and, and Jimmy Hart friend. Yeah, Jimmy Hart friend and Crow. They yeah. could have just showed him in '97. Maybe that's what it was like. Who's on the roster? Oh, well, Shawn Michaels, Mankind, Honky Tonk, Honky Tonk Man. Okay, get a clip of but him. But he looks old there, so let's get something where he's younger. <laughs> anyway, yeah, there's all this junky like rock stock music under it. By the way, <laughs> terrible. Yeah, it's so bad. God. Anyway, Steve Allen talks about Saturday Night's main event, how it was so good that NBC decided to give them a television show again. <laughs> yep. And then, of course, the 8 p.m. Friday night show. But as the 80s ended, Ted Turner called Vince McMahon and he said, Hi, I'm in the wrestling business. And we get the usual Vince like on the entertainment business. Shut up. I hate this. How many fucking times do we have to see this stupid like the same clip? Vince in the same suit. You know, Ted called me up and he said, I'm in the wrestling. Well, Ted. I'm in the entertainment business. I'm not the like, rustling business. Shut up. I don't care. Like, who gives a shit? Like, he's so boastful about that. He's so boastful about it. And here's the thing is where Ted was from Atlanta. They called it wrestling. I know. Like, it's not like he was like being weird. <laughs> like, that's what they called it there. Like, I just, you're not wrong. Like, what? just leave the guy alone. No, but Mrs. McTown. How dare he want to compete with you? Like, you know what I mean? Like, the man who fucking tried to fuck over Crockett his whole life. <laughs> I guess, like, how dare this guy, like, you know, get a, buy a wrestling company and try to compete? I'm an innocent man. I'm a victim. Yeah, I'm a victim. <laughs> anyway, fuck wrestling and fuck you. That's Vince's uh, MO there. Anyway, Ted Turner used his money to get big stars, like Ric Flair and Sting. Uh, they were already there. Uh, <laughs> good one. Anyway, but the WWF had stars, too, you know, like Shawn Michaels. This is my favorite part of the whole show. Owen Hart. Mm-hmm. Steve Austin, Undertaker, Vader, Patriot, Mankind, Ahmed Johnson, and Goldust. It's weird to hear Steve Allen listing off 90s wrestlers. Also, the Patriot. <laughs> I can't even believe He's not that anything. they listed him in there. Like, because literally all Steve Allen, like, or not, it's not even Steve Allen's fault, like, the producers. Who wrote it, yeah. Like, and it's probably just one it's probably like they sent an intern. It's like, can you go get us a list of, like, the top people right. on Raw this week? Um, like Patreon, like some mid 97 raw and they, this this intern's just like, like you got to watch it tonight and he watches the whole show and the patriots like featured on it that's probably i'm not that's probably is. how this like, i bet you all of these people were on the same episode of raw i guarantee it they would be everyone yeah. mentioned would would have been on a raw in like july of 97 it's true was ahmed i'm not sure yes but, yeah give or take 
Uh, Steve Allen says the, the WWF and the WCW. The I guess, WCW. I guess Brett wrote this yeah. script. The WWF and the WCW are now the dominant two. They're the main promotions these days. And then Gorilla literally out of nowhere. Highly unlikely that scientific wrestling will ever make a comeback. And all... <laughs> First of all, what a, what a gorillaism. Second of all, never say never because look at wrestling now. They're all about Mr. Scientific. Who can be the most scientific? Yeah, it's true. Good point. Yeah. Uh, Freddie Blassie says you can't compete with the kids today. They do stuff that no one would have ever thought of. Steve Allen says that whether it's performance or not, people do get hurt. Vader says there's not a lot of people his size and his age that can do that shit. I'll give him that. Yeah, that's true. Sean agrees, saying that he was on the road for 278 Oof. days last year. Sounds horrible. Big Show says that out of respect, he tries not to kill people. Very That's nice. That's nice of him. Now, Gorilla, like, half maintaining kayfabe here, but half being funny. He's like, if you wanted to, you could break someone's arm with a hammerlock, but you just don't, because that guy has, a, has to make a living. I like that. Yeah. It's, uh, that's very Gorilla Serious edition. Mark Curtis now. Makes it's his a, real name, by the yeah, way. Yeah, Brian Hildebrand. Yeah. He makes a happy appearance here. To say that I've had the shit beaten out of me is a reference. Yeah, I couldn't fun. believe they used his real name, <laughs> yeah. though. That was really weird. Yeah. What a random appearance. <laughs> very like, random. Like a WCW ref, too. Yep. Like, very odd. It was happy. Yep. Uh, Moore was like, I had about every bone in my body broken. My teeth were knocked loose. Cauliflower ears. My eyes busted. My neck broken. I was slave girl Mula. Luthez uh, <laughs> now explains the cauliflower ear. He shows off his own. Yep. And he's like, it breaks and Calcified shit. Calcified skin. And- <laughs> it's hard as bone. Yep. Shawn Michaels runs down his injuries. Let's see. Uh, dislocated shoulder, blown out knee, 90, remember? Mm-hmm. Paul Roma. That's Arturis. true. Broken hand, herniated disc, spurs in his neck. Bodies were battered. <laughs> it's like the opening of that fucking don't try this at home. He forgot lost smile. Yeah, so depressing. <laughs> yeah, that smile like, was. Y- yikes, though. Seri- like, seriously, to all of these injuries. No, listed. I know. Holy shit. The fake ones and the real ones. You know, hey. the fake knee in 97, the real knee in 90. I don't think the Mula teeth was real because she gladly got my teeth knocked loose and then she's like, I still got all of I them. I still got but all of yeah. them now. And well, they fixed them yeah. loose, you know. Randy Savage now appears. Yeah, like, out of the savage. Like, for, like, he's not in any of this no. other than this, like, three second clip. He's like, oh, you know, I work out every day. Yeah. <laughs> all all late. late. Yeah, yeah. Just randomly here. Hi, I work out. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Nash is like, yeah, the ring's fucking harder than it looks. Yeah. <laughs> not a fucking trampoline. <laughs> and then I we, love Nash. And then, like, literally for no reason, we cut to, that's gotta be Kane. Why? What is <laughs> so that? Weird. Ring's not a trampoline. That's gotta be Kane. Yep. Anyway, Steve Allen says that wrestling has no minor league anymore. Mm, just wait. Mm-hmm. But there's Killer Kowalski's training school. There's a Fabulous Moolah camp. Why would anyone go to Fabulous Moolah's camp? It's like, no, and I don't even think at this point, didn't she like, wasn't there a big drop off when all the women realized they didn't need her anymore? Like, didn't that notably happen? Probably. I and wouldn't that's go why there. She was living with fucking May at the camp. Open your mouth. I'm going to fart in your mouth. Yeah. Uh, Clip of her facing Mae Young, like, now for fun. Yep. And then we cut to the shitty power plant. <sighs> that place sucks so much ass, Yeah, Quinn. <laughs> it's notably bad. Now, listen, I'm sure there's a lot of wrestlers that are maybe even still wrestling that came out of it. Yeah. But it's, like, it's notably, like, one of WCW's weird pushes, like, the fucking, like, motorsports and stuff like that, where it's just something they, like, pushed to the moon and, like, didn't really <sighs> produce much as far as, like, huge stars and yes i know goldberg went through there but that's only because they like knew him or something remember 
Like he was like <laughs> friends with DDP's wife or something. Is that I for- what it was? Well, I forget what the fuck the story yeah, is. Like somebody or Eric Bischoff's wife or something knew his. I don't know. It's like something like he lived in town. <laughs> like it's like Sorry. one of those things. Michael- so of course he went to the fucking power plant. Well, why not? Yeah. Uh, Michael Wenner is a probably the head instructor, whoever that is. He says 10 to 15% make it through to the end of this hellhole. Then some extra mulleted guy. Very mulleted. He's like, yeah, this is really hard. And then another turd face is like, yeah, fuck this shit. Literally every clip is just like, yeah, it's hard. <laughs> like all of them. So yeah, this fucking sucks. It's I like, hate I, this. It's like, it, and it's guys that are like, while they're working out, this is the weirdest part to me. It's like, while they're working out, they're like, how can you do this anymore? And then like, they, they, inter- they like exit interview all of them and they're like, yeah, I gave up, but I'll be back in two weeks or something. Like all of them, I like every every single one of them. Like, it, it, <laughs> like, does anyone ever make it past this school? Did they train anyone? Goldberg. There? Yeah. <laughs> Who else? They don't show anybody. Paul White. But it's it's notable to say it's like you would think like at the height like when we know WCW got wrestlers out of this. Yeah. Like you would think one of them that we know would be in this fucking training session, right? Good point. Glenn. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Just saying, or like we'd see some weird, like young, doe eyed AJ Styles, or you know what I mean? Like some like kid that eventually is like still wrestling now. Like, hey, y'all. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Now, Steve Allen says that 15 new recruits joined today. Half are going to be gone by noon. So, seven and a half people. Mm -hmm. Um, He says that only only three people will be back tomorrow. Great business. (laughs) Wonderful business. The cat, Ernest Miller, now says that. Even if they make it through this, who fucking cares? People need to want to see you. Fair point. I just uh, he's right. About, I know that, but again, something about this school is very not encouraging. It doesn't seem. Oh po- no! It doesn't seem positive in here. I don't know what it is. No clips of angry push-ups being done. Then back to the big show. He's like, I went there. I dealt with it. And then even, sh- the, even the people graduate like are just like the fucking oh, fuck. suck ass. <laughs> this is a- well, let's get to him. Yeah. Shot of Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker. He go. looks like fuck Lesnar here. <laughs> just an asshole. And then some asshats like, I like wrestling and I hate working in the factory, so I wanted to do this. Never heard of him. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> Mullet head over here says, uh, I want to be famous as he gets into like a dirty taxi. <laughs> All sad. Like I, I legitimately felt bad because he's literally limping away and he's not the only person and limping away what the fuck did they just like did like they get tips from hogan they're like you gotta break their legs on day one like i'm serious like every one of them are limping on the same leg like almost like as if the 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 lesson of the day was put your left leg out let me break it like i'm not kidding how does that produce athletes i'm just saying like listen i understand it's a hard business and you gotta you know you gotta be for real you gotta yeah i believe be tough enough why Injure them. Like to me, that's not practical. These people are literally what's gonna fill up your like like company, right? So they're paying for this. Let's give them a permanent injury before they get started. Like, how is that like it just doesn't make sense to me? And listen, I'm not a wrestling trainer. Maybe there's some other logic, but it doesn't sound like a good business strategy to me to break their legs. Like, I'm just saying. I totally agree with you. You know what I mean? It's I, not like the first day of baseball camp. They like, they're all like, give me your face. And then they punch them. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, I feel like your first day as a programmer, and they just break your keyboard over or, your no, knee. No, break your fingers. And it's like, you got to learn to fucking code it in pain. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like it just doesn't, I don't get it. Like, I, You're right, though. Yeah. You are absolutely right. I can't argue that. Yeah. 
uh, a bunch of guys say they're going to be back, like you said. Yeah. And then we cut to modern 1997 crap, like mankind falling into the water at, at its time. <laughs> I cannot wait to review this show. <laughs> Me it, too. It's like, I love In Your House this time. I don't care what anyone, you you guys, when that review comes out, you, I will make you see why that is such a great show. No, it is. It's good. <laughs> yeah. I don't care. I don't care what anyone says. Quinn's right. It's yeah. good. Uh, Steve Allen says, you can only go so far with the limits of the squared circle. Or underneath it. As Hugo is shown. <laughs> Randomly. Super fan. Vladimir, that is, yeah. yeah. Cut to Undertaker pulling Diesel through the ring and in your house, and then we get to see the Boiler Room brawl. Goldust versus Piper. The Hogpen. The Nation versus DOA. <laughs> it can be hard to predict, Steve Allen says. But regardless, what you can predict, what you can count on as you go to the wrestling show tonight, someone will get whacked with a chair. The referee will be distracted. A manager will interfere. A table will be broken. When you get down to it, there's not much new, really. And then we get clips of big-time wrestling that I swear <laughs> we no reviewed. Joke. It's 100% the one where, like, during the credits, they're fighting in a little cage that's, like, on Around the, the announcers, it's like a right? cattle cage. The like, dumpy cage. It's, like, for, like, livestock. That yeah, they just, what? It? Like, that they just picked up at the stores. Because remember the storyline in that episode is that it's so dangerous in the ring that the announcer, like, is protecting himself. Is that what it was? And then they start fighting in it at the end as the credits are rolling. That was actually... I couldn't believe they showed that, and they showed more than one clip from that. They showed other matches from it, Joe. Yeah, they did. During the... When they were just showing random, like, earlier in this. I don't know why that one episode of Big Time keeps popping up everywhere. It's very funny. And I think you mentioned it's not even a cage match. No. It's just like... It's just like he gets in a fight with Sabu's dad or some shit (laughs) like at the end. And remember the the wrestler runs in the cage to to run away. He's like, you can't get me, Sabu's dad. And then like (laughs) Sabu's dad like walks over the top or something. It's his dad. What? what? His uncle. No, it's his dad. Okay. Uh, Cut to hell in a cell. Undertaker kicking the shit out of Sean, which is fine with me. Wrestling is a phenomenon, Steve Allen says. So if nothing new really happens... Why do they keep watching? Answer. They don't really anymore, Steve. Uh, but Andy Warhol over here rambles on about society or whatever. Steve Allen says that sign language plays a big part what? of this. You know, the NWO Wolfpack sign. Oh, he did tell us. He ta- tell us what the signs meant. The signs. Yeah. DDP's Diamond Cutter. And then Dr. This Mor- is a big question in the in the late 90s where all these like new fans confused no. about like four horsemen. What no. does it mean? That like there's four of them. Wolf pack. What does it mean? That there was a wolf head. NWO for life. What does that mean? That you're in it for life. Yeah, it's like I don't understand. Austin 316. What does it all mean? Nothing. Yeah. Uh, Dr. M- it means actually I just kicked your ass. Right, exactly. Your ass. Anyway, Dr. Morton Salt over here says <laughs> that the uh, development of technology is calling into a bunch of what the fuck ever. I don't care. <laughs> Shut up. It's a bunch of people pretending to punch. In their underpants. Yeah. Don't forget. Seriously. What the hell is this talking about? This documentary goes way too deep in its fucking ass sometimes. <laughs> like, seriously. I, <laughs> Shut up. Hand signals. Like, calm down. I don't know why knowing what the hand signals mean is so important. It's amount because of a prima. Shut no. up. <laughs> Cut to Shawn Michaels on a zip line to annoy me. Please just chill out uh, with this shit. The like, analyzing. Yeah, it's enough. Dr. Pepper over here, whatever, says <laughs> he can't say wrestling is fake because it's not supposed to be real, you asshole. He sounds like Al Gore. I don't know what he's saying. He does have one good point, though. He's like, would you call Hamlet fake? He's absolutely right. It's true. Admit. Yeah. It's not supposed to be real either. Uh, cut to Dr. Scholl over here is like getting beat up by Moolah and Mae Young. <laughs> it's real. They showed the doctor guy. Yeah. That was like commenting the whole show. And he's like, it's he's like, it's a form of fucking theater. And you know what? Shakespeare was condemned for writing drama to the uninitiated. Can we stop? <laughs> like, I get it. It's it's a little more sophisticated than people think it is on paper. Whatever. That's all they had to say. 
So we don't have to like go on and on and on about it. Then we just have some hideous interview from the 70s. I don't know who or what. Then Mike Chapman, remember him? He's back. He says, look at the crowd in the 50s. It's all adults. But in the 80s, it's young kids. Cut to some doofus kid. I watched it since I was four years old. Probably killed hamsters this weekend. They could have cut to now where it's all 45-year-old men, too. I'm just saying. It's real. Actually, I think that that was a three-star match, not a four-star match. You know what's funny about the age increase? That's not even, like, the fans' fault. That's WWF not, like, doing anything new for, like, so long. It's not like Randy Orton a champion still. That's what I mean. Now I like him. It's like, how are you supposed to get new fans if, like, you never do anything different? And, like, the only people that know about any of this have been watching for, like, 40 years. Do you realize, Quinn, I'm going to try to maybe blow a mind or two here. That there are probably people wrestling now, right. whether male or female, that were born in, let's say, you know, 1996. Right. That grew up when, like, Randy Orton was yes. the world champion in, like, 2007, Correct. I mean, Correct. 2010. Right. They're like, yeah, he was my favorite wrestler growing up, and he's still there. And like, a ch- you know, you That's know, weird. If anything, though, if you think about it, it's like, if you're Randy Orton... You're like, this is my fucking time to shine I'm gonna because keep doing because this. I'm like a hero to these yeah. kids. Like because th- this is I was like one of the first wrestlers they ever saw. But like, <laughs> like it's real. That's why I, was don't, like, I don't even blame them. Like they just gave him the title again. I don't even blame him because I'm just like, why not? Right? It's like it's he's true, like a though. fucking legend. There like, could be like a 13 year old that like loved Sheamus when yeah. he was new. Because to the, that's it. That's the same thing as Sheamus. when they would give like Hogan the title in the late 90s. Well, yeah. he's the first fucking wrestler we knew, so we didn't even think anything of it. He's the fucking champ. Of course he's the champion. He's the best. Good point. You know? Yep. Andy Dillhole comes back now to say that I'm concerned about the kids because they think violence is okay. Well, at least that only mattered in the Attitude Era. Yeah. It's back to kids mode again, like shortly after this documentary, like three or Very four years. shortly after. After the ruthless aggression crap. And yeah. That's it. Uh, Vince says that, yeah, you know what? We did fucking want kids to watch so we can make more money. What a scumbag. <laughs> I don't know what that line. She's honest. That, I know, but that line, it's just how it came off is all. It's like, yeah, of course we're pushing this fucking horrible violence on these children. <laughs> like, what? Well, of course we're pushing mankind falling off a roof. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, Well, he's like um, in Pinocchio, Stromboli. Do you remember Stromboli, the, the heel of I Pinocchio? I have seen Pinocchio since I was a child. Why not? And that, I'm not Why even not? kidding. Stromboli. It's like one of those Disney movies that you I have like no it. desire to watch, but you know, Disney Plus does exist now, and I watch some stuff on there, so maybe I'll take a peek at Pinocchio one time just to refresh myself. What do you watch on there? Uh, there's a lot of Star Wars stuff on there that is awesome. It's Star Trek time. Yeah. <laughs> it's real. Vince uh, says, if you think young and you act young, it appeals to you. And he says, very character development is very important, and it used to be good guys versus bad guys. Now, did they just cut the clip no, from before and insert it in there? But he's there? wearing the same suit. That's what I mean. Is He's wearing the yellow... He takes this all the same day. It's gotta be. Yeah. But he's like, no, that doesn't happen now. Yeah, except for Austin versus Vince, but whatever. Mm-hmm. And then Eric talks about how it takes two to three years to develop a character. Right after earlier, Luthes was like, it takes two weeks yeah. after that. Like, what? What is, what is, what is Eric... When did he take... Two to three years to develop anything. The only thing I can think of is Goldberg, but that was like six months. Barely. That's like the longest they ever built anyone. Wasn't he? Like, were they, were, is he like thinking of like the fucking like 
men at work or like, <laughs> the fuck, like you know what I'm saying? Like all those like weird tag teams you on mean Saturday roadblock yeah, and road, all that. Takes two years to, to build them up on Saturday and, night. And then fucking fire them. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what he's talking about. Anyway, Mike Chapman brings up the Romans. He's getting way too deep again. We're, this, you can yeah. tell we're getting near the end because they're starting to like philosophize yeah, about wrestling. It's ugh, like just shut up. Just shut up. It's like fucking wrestling. Like just just stop. It's cut to Shamrock yeah. suplexing a bunch of people like Pat Patterson and Jack Doan. Bottom line is that we're going through the normal phase of entertaining ourselves. Okay, so, chill. I know. We'll just stop. <laughs> like, why are they acting like America is like a new society or something? <laughs> like, it's like, it's like, oh yeah, it's just it's gonna get to its Roman era, right? <laughs> it's like, like, what are you talking about? I don't like, know. I, I don't, too much. Yeah, they're like trying too hard to make this philosophical. Yeah, it's staged fighting. Yes, At that's all it is. That's what it is. But as the civilization became older and older and more satiated and looking for thrills and money, they went to a harder core of entertainment. Steve Allen then runs down a bunch of tropes to wrap things up and says that in the end, just like a good soap opera, someone will fall into a well. No, uh, <laughs> no issue will be resolved. The story will be continued. Is wrestling fake? Absolutely. It's as fake as your imagination, as phony as your daydreams. Are we celebrating violence when we enjoy a wrestling match? Definitely. Does this mean we're a society in decay? Maybe. Can we get to a point here with this, by the way? Did you know that was a joke, by the way, the last yeah, I one? Know. I know. <laughs> it's a very Steve Allen joke at the, at the last line. Maybe. The serious thing. And then, like, this morbid fucking, like, <laughs> pronunciation of, like, society. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Pronouncement, whatever. Either way. But bottom line. Sit down, shut up, and watch it. And that's it, actually, as we get the Breathless theme queuing up. Breathless. What does this have to... What is this fucking song? I don't get it. And I like the credits rolling here over this song. It's just like a very gentleman <laughs> speaking of Breathless. Yeah. 80-year-old killer Kowalski, like, happily training somebody in his yeah, stupid school. Again, what is this theme? It's, it's weird to hear this song over killer Kowalski in a, in a theme. fucking sweatsuit beating <laughs> the shit out of a young guy like he's still. I like the gun and Paul Anyway. I actually thought for the most part this was very classy and respectful of wrestling, like I said. Rather than these friggin' hatchet jobs and these hit... Remember the NBC one that we did like a the long... The NBC one was so mean. The fans think it's real because <laughs> they, they're conning people. Like, yeah. fuck you. Like, shut up. No one that watched that thought that was real. No one has thought it's been real since like the 30s. Exactly. Like- Good Lord. So in that regard, I actually really liked it because I thought they treated wrestling with respect. And Quinn, you and I have been covering retro wrestling for 200 episodes now 200 years we've been around for all of this and we make quips about fake fighting mm-hmm. men in their underpants but in all seriousness and i know you guys know this i have tremendous respect for people willing to take that risk me too this yeah. is not easy that's clearly. just like in joke yeah we kind of thing like because it's funny to say underpants and that yeah, they're fighting in their underpants right but I, I listen whether or not anyone thinks it's a um a valuable art form, a valuable form of entertainment. You know, what they do is not easy, oh. and what they do takes courage. It does take a toll on your body mentally. And I think this documentary said that. That's I mean, what it, I like it, about it. It said, like, hey, I got, like, all these injuries. It's not easy. That's what I like about it. I, and I as much as we were, like, like kind of riffing on the WCW training camp, well, like, that was more just because the camp was ultimately unsuccessful. And, and Sergeant not, Buddy Lee Parker, yeah. like... Oh, but... I understand Sorry. that it's hard to get into wrestling. I get it. Like, you know what oh, I mean? Oh, God, like, yeah. Yeah. I like, would never try it. Yeah. Seriously. I'm I, not afraid to admit yeah, that. Yeah, and 
from my understanding, it's a little easier now because they're not crazy people about like we got to break all the bones in your body before no. you even start. Oh, God, they don't no. do that shit anymore. But, but it's very um, you know homogenized and very regimented. Right, but yeah, nevertheless, the fact that they got so many people to sign off and do this, I'm talking Vince's company, WCW, all these legends, Burn Bischoff, all the wrestlers. It's good stuff, and I thought it was a nice little look. Again, I don't know the accuracy of every single detail, mm-hmm. but I thought it was a nice, classy, and respectful look into pro wrestling from the mainstream point of view. Yeah. No, it was pretty good. And it's it's pretty of its time. Oh, yeah. Not bad. And again, after watching this, I was 100% certain I had seen it. Like, as soon as like it finished, I was like, I've definitely seen all of this. I have to. Um, yep. It's typical A&E shit, but entertaining enough. You know, it gets the E out of its name. It, gets, it does get know, the E. I don't know if it's artistic, but it's entertaining. And you know what? Also, special shout out to uh, Steve Allen's narration was fantastic. He did a good job. Great yeah. voice, and, yeah. and he didn't sound old. Does he host other things like where, like this where he's just narrating? Is I don't that... know, but I would listen to it. Yeah. Oh, the Three Stooges documentary from 1990. Oh, he did that? Absolutely. <laughs> I'm just saying. Mm. It, it's real. But folks, we th- hoped you liked this. This was a little bit of a departure in the sense we haven't done a documentary like this in a long time, but we figured in culmination of 200 episodes here, part two, uh, we do something that's kind of a documentary on wrestling, which is what we cover here. So we hope you like that. Now, a reminder, next Monday, the 23rd, Quinn and I are going on vacation. We're going to take you along with us. I don't want to give anything away, but we're going to be visiting a lot of places. Yes. Let's leave it at that, okay? And then in two weeks on November 30th, we will be back for the premiere of Season 21, Episode 201, Royal Flush and Royal Rankings of Feuds is coming up, a new opening segment, same old reviews. Until that time, thank you guys so much for being with us for four years, 200 episodes plus everything else. I'm Joe Murata. That's Michael Quinn. We'll see you next week. See ya. Five-star match and six-star match. Ah, the Cotton Bowl Spectacular. Fuck them, Dano. Bro. That's a ceremonial show the food you always cut. Challenge! Championship! Die, die, die. Don't call them the aftermags. Don't worry, I'm a fan of white. Get away. Get the hell out of here. Give me a break. His eyes are closed, he can't open them. How do you do this? It sucks. You tell us exactly what you think about this. It's wonderful, I'm just... Why don't you go? John. Look at all of this crap in this ring. Match. Minus five stars. Motherfucker. New world odor. And the new world organization of wrestling, brother. No more prima donnas. I accept the fact that you're going to be a wrestler like your pappy. Pass the fucking potatoes. Piece of garbage. Big falls don't Punch the button, Greg. Red, red for daddy's side. See you June 13th. Set for action. Spend a lot of money. Spend a lot of money. That's not necessary.
the WCW. What a package. Who cares? Yeah, no shit. You slob. And you can hear the yo's. Will you stop? stop, 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 stop.